Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, children of all ages, welcome to Socks on Tap. I'm your boy Buzz, and I'm joined by my dudes Tony and W.I. Steve, and a good buddy of mine, a, g- a great friend of mine, actually, always talking on Twitter, talking that shit, the habitual line stepper himself, Ozzy Gian Jr. Oh, he's going to join us. We're going to talk some White Sox baseball, some blast from the past shit, some stuff that you should be looking forward to, and whatever else comes up, because we're going to drink a couple beers and have a good time doing them. Crack them. Before we get into this one, be sure to go on tapsportsnet.com for all your Chicago sports literature and podcasting needs. Following us on Twitter at Socks on Tap at on Tap Sportsnet. And anywhere you can listen to podcasts, you can listen to us. So give us a five star rating and review. And of course, on tapsportsnet.com. Go check it out. You're the guest, Ozzy, my man. How are you doing today? I'm doing great. I'm doing awesome. I'm healthy. I'm not super fat, maintaining my weight. My kids are good. I, I'm good, man. I survived Corona, had it for like a week and a half. That stuff was no joke, uh, but I'm doing good. Baseball season's here, so finally going to put some money on sport that I actually know what's going on, and I'm not just BSing some meathead. <laughs> <laughs> Fantastic. Steve, what's going on, brother? Hey, yo, boys. This is going to be a lot of fun here. I know we were kind of getting things kicked off here before we went live, and uh, this is going to be an explosive one and a fun one for sure. The pre-show was amazing. Tony, what do you think of that pre-show? How are you doing? I'm I'm a little upset that like all of that was all said in the pre-show. I mean, we're just a couple minutes late getting into this, and if this goes anything like the pre-show went, uh, I think uh, everybody's going to be in for a good time. Uh, that's, might, that's- I might get I might get canceled. White Sox fan, I know that they're a little sensitive. So the reason that I like following you guys <laughs> on Twitter, no, I'm being honest, okay? You you guys keep it real, okay? The Kool-Aid, there's been a lot of Kool-Aid, been drinking since last year, okay? And it's it's good to see, you know, funny, sarcastic, but keeping it real. At the end of the day, you don't win on paper. You know, I you guys are probably around my age, maybe a little bit older, but there's not a lot of success in the south side of Chicago. Okay. Um, I six playoffs, I think. And so I'm very, I've always seen a lot of really good teams, you know, put, be put together and, and flop. And from my family standpoint, I got personal experience. I was there for the 2012 Marlins. We had showtime following us in spring training. We, you know, we, we, we were high-fiving at, at, at winter meetings by episode four, Lord, <laughs> by episode four, they were like, you know, when we were in June, it was, you know, people were getting traded. So I've been there before. I've seen it happen. So I like that you guys keep it real. Yeah, it's definitely a, a crazy group. On You never know what you're going to get on White Sox Twitter. You have your overly optimistic fans. You have your in-the-middle-of-the-pack fans who don't know exactly what to believe. Then you have your everything. negative assholes. Right, right. And, Steve, we're going to get into this now because this is how this kind of whole thing came up. I'm just going to give you all the floor. Steve has taken on a new persona recently. He's been dubbed the South Side Clown Show for a long time. Then he dubbed himself the other day, but then he changed it back. It was a quick, it was a quick flip there. But now he became... What was it? The spring training overreactor? Overreactor, yeah. I'm yeah. gonna sell you he some wrestling tights. He got, me. <laughs> he got, he got me. you not I'm once. Like, he got you like three times. I'm like, what is? Me. I'm like, what is this guy? What is he on? I'm like, is he okay? I'm like, but then I was like, oh, okay. I was like, okay. You know what? And it's we're we're worried about such little things. Okay. By the way, for everyone that's watching this, the White Sox have always sucked in spring training. I did the research. I think they've had like one winning spring training. In like the last 40 years, like they've never been good at spring training with Ozzy, with Robin, with Terry Beth. They've always sucked. Like it's like a thing. I don't know why, but they've never been good. 
But like you look at little things in spring training, everyone always looks at the home runs. It's, it's pointless. It, they don't count. But I always look at guys like, for example, game one, Moncada went and stole right away. So it's like, okay, this guy's healthy to run. He's doing it right now. That's good. You know, I look at the, the pitchers, you know, where are they at from the velocity standpoint? Has velocity dropped? Are they hitting their strike? So it's more of like a like what the players look like healthy-wise. And if someone improved, you know, a step or the, they just look great. Um, but the wins and losses, like, come on. Like, it's not a big deal. They're trying to get guys to perform and give guys at bats. But I don't think they'll start counting, you know, really focusing on, like, let's win a game till maybe the last five games. Right, right. I totally get that. And uh, I just want to throw out there for everybody, this is a live podcast recording. Anybody that's watching on Facebook, YouTube, or Twitter, throw your questions in for Ozzy, I'm sure. But if I could, guys, start off with the first question, just because I've been wanting to ask you this. You've Obviously, you've been around baseball your whole life. That's like, that's your thing. That's what you do. You got Levita baseball. You do a bunch of cool shit. This current crop of players going into this season, and obviously the optimism that you've seen on Twitter, and maybe some of the the harshness that you've seen on Twitter. What is your overall view of the White Sox heading in to the 2021 MLB season? Man, that's a lot of hype. It's a lot of hype. Um, if, if every player on this team was Tim Anderson, I'd say, you know what? He, he can back it up. And that's the part where I think it's funny because when he says, you know, things that are like off the wall, the best team in the American League. Okay, Timmy, like, I know what you get. He might be talking about himself because I think that for him, for example, him personally, I think he's underrated. I think he's improved the last three years. I was one of the people that said, move him to center field. Don't feel that way now. Might be the best shortstop in Chicago uh, at this moment right now, which hurts bias fans. And I love Javi, but he's he, he's been a guy that when you look at the last three years, he's produced. There's other guys on the team, same thing with the Brave, that have had great years and then have had like horrendous, you know, horrendous stretches. So at the end of the day, you know, uh, NBC Sports can say, win or bust or whatever they want to call it. Marketing, you know, Madrigal can say he's going to have 3,000 hits. Uh, Rick Hahn say World Series or bust. I, the, to, at the end of the day, that means nothing, okay? It means absolutely nothing. And I, and I and I know that Tony's not going to let that get to him as a manager, like believing the hype. You have to win in between the lines. And, you know, last year was a year that um, I, I was upset because I, I'm a believer that once you're in the playoff, anything can happen. I still look at the Oakland team and I think it was, I don't care what they're doing analytics. Why as a weak team, they're weak. They were not a good team. Man to man. They're not better than the White Sox. They weren't last year. And I think if the White Sox get past that series, you don't know what might happen. You know, you might, you don't know. So again, when you're looking at this year, the pressure to make the playoffs twice in the history of the franchise gets a little bit harder, but the players got to do it in between the lines, man. They got to, they got to take that next step. And, you know, I think that, They've been fun, you know, the 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 pouring water on your head, this the 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 meaningless bat flip. I want to see some, I want to see some meaningful bat flips. You know, everyone talks about like that bat flip, like Paul Konerko, for example, probably one of the most boring players after hitting a home run, but his magical home run in the World Series, you know, he hits it, stares, you know, drops the bat. That's the bat flip that I want. If it's you're gonna be statue now. Well, he's got. That's what I mean. So, like, that's the type of stuff that I want. You know, Potsetnik. So, like, if you're gonna, if you're gonna like hot dog and you're gonna like have fun, have fun on winning. Okay, I think that's the step they need to take. Like when the Twins come in, even when we came here in 2004, we were scared of them. I think like they they knew they had better talent, but they couldn't beat them. 
This year they got to come out, even though they have better talent, and beat them. Beat beat the Indians. Whoop on on Detroit. Whoop on Kansas City. So it's time now to actually do it. Um, and that's why I think it, it's hard that from prospect to actually doing it in the big leagues because man, we love dropping that line. We're number three in the prospects in the minor leagues. To me, that none of that stuff matters. It's great, but you got to do it in the big league level. I've never seen a better minor league player than than Gordon and and Joe Borchert, Brian Anderson. You know, it, big leagues is a very hard thing to do, and and uh, and if you talk to those guys, the grind of the of day in and day out. Um, so we, I want to see what they have this year together. But I, I think it's time for them to do it in between the lines. But they do have the talent. You talked about having fun, Ozzy. Uh, and that was one thing that White Sox Twitter was big on over this offseason with the Tony Larusa hire. They're not going to have any more fun. Tony's here. He's going to kill the buzz. I think what's fun, seen- okay, what? Okay, so what's fun? Okay, so when you to me, win, to me, winning is fun, Ozzy, and okay, I, so I, I think they're going to have a lot more fun. 2004, the 2004, uh, 2005 team. Okay, when you saw them, do you think they were fun? I, I think, think going, I think I, I think, think one ten and sixty three yeah. having a that's, parade that's, in downtown Chicago is pretty. That's funny. what I'm saying though. So 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 at times, for example, Ozzy was misunderstood that he was this evil man and he was pissed because he was because to him losing, okay, it was not fun. Ozzy was a type of player, and I think Tony's like that. That if he would have gone five for five, and he came in the clubhouse and they lost, he was mad. Okay. Because as a player, that's who he was. As a manager, your only objective is the W, okay? And everyone gets to do their little thing and win. But if you're in the clubhouse and you're like, ah, we lost, but I went five for five, that's not the attitude that you need. So when when they're talking about fun, like if you want fun, go to entertainment, go to a concert. That's what I'm saying, okay? People want like the spike in the – you know, I saw saw Tom Brady playing and winning again. He's probably the most boring player in the history of football, QB, the slow dude – He's like, oh, my God, like, he can he barely move, but he won. You know, he wasn't fun. Like, he wasn't dancing, but he won. So, to me, winning is winning is fun, and fun is winning. So, I want them to celebrate the home runs, doing all that, because they're winning. I don't want to see them dancing down 10 runs. That's when you take pride. And, and that mentality, people don't get it. Like, when you walk into a clubhouse and you're a winning team, you're like, we're going we're gonna to sweep these guys. Like, we're going to take their – like, we're going to sweep these guys – and we're going to embarrass them. And you start getting that feeling. You take game one and you're like, ooh, we take game two. We're going to sweep them. You might lose game two and you're like, okay, I'm not going to lose the series. So you kind of make the goals very small. And, and, and every, every time you know what your manager feels like, you're not, you're not getting babied, okay? Because everybody knows if you suck. So you need some pressure. And, and I know players, they say they don't react to that. But I, I do believe that you have to be – you can't pretend that everything is going great all the time. That's not baseball. I don't care what they say. When you're in a losing team, dude – you're just like, where are we at? Kansas City. Oh, horrible city. Let's have fun. Oh, we just got beat two games. Who cares? I'm in the big leagues. You know, because I've been around those teams as well. Um, so I think that that's the point of when you need to focus and win. I think they got a couple guys on that on that team right now that are the ones that have made – they made little comments about they weren't very happy about it last year, Keiko being one of them. Um, I think the guy, uh, the closer, Hendricks, I think he might help more being that attitude guy than actually closing games because um, Crochet is the best arm in that bullpen or, and then Kopech, then him. So they got a lot of options. But I think that finding that drive and then Timmy being able to uh, be a leader and connect with everybody, that's the other part. You got to be able to connect with your teammates. So again, at the end of the day, they win. Everyone's going to love Tony. 
If they lose, they're going to say this old man. And again, people think that Tony's going to come in a wheelchair. Okay. Tony's in great shape. Like from a managing standpoint, Tony's in way better mental uh, capacity than a lot of the managers in the big leagues right now. So I think from that aspect, I think the people, the word fun, I don't think is used the right way. And, and, and if Tony would have brought in like Dave Duncan to be the pitching coach and, and, you know, and then like, you know, dug up somebody from their grave or brought Jim Leland to be his third base coach, or even Ozzy, you could have said, Oh, you know, argue that it's like, Oh, it's too old school, but he brought in a, a, a guy that I don't know how good of a pitching coach is going to be pitching coaches are usually as good as their pitchers are, but someone that's, you know, more inclined to the teachings of the newer baseball, you know, and then like, is my angle here? Is my angle here? Is my angle here? You know, pitchers like going through that type of stuff now so he can communicate with them a little bit better. So he brought in a new pitching coach, which was great. Um, now we got to see what the guys produce. So I don't see Tony being an issue. And I definitely think when the word fun is used, yes, you can have fun, but this is the type of fun Tony's not going to want. Bat flipping, losing 10 nothing, and you lost the game and lost the series to Detroit. Like we like they did for Kansas City that one that one time. So that's what fun means. And I think that's where people confuse what fun is in baseball. So you're not for the uh the Gatorade showers because you know you'll miss he, no, he led the league in that. He led the league in that, Ozzy. I am when you win. I am when you win. And you don't have to cry after losses, but you need to know what you have to do. And there's a difference between going through a season and just having a baseball season, and there's a difference going through a pennant race. Okay. Dude, you go to a pennant race, that jump between 80 to like 90 games, the stress is there, man. The city's buzzing, Twitter, you know, you've never played at that level. You really need to grind and then let's, then your body, okay? Some guys are, you know, you, you look at pitchers and, 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 and players that are in pennant races, they break down a lot quicker because you have to be on top of every pitch. You know, the, the intensity is just that much more. So it, it takes a grind on you. And that's why repeating in baseball back to back, or back-to-back playoffs, you have to build a, a team that has a lot of depth, okay? So, for example, one of my situations that I wasn't fan of, we don't have a backup shortstop right now, a real shortstop, for example. Let's say Tim Anderson, like in 1992, God forbid, you know, we were supposed to win in 92, 14 games in, Ozzie Guillen blows out his ACL, DCL, all the L's on his knees. We didn't have a backup shortstop. The team faltered, they didn't go anywhere. So, like, if Timmy goes down, who's your who's your – Who's a guy that can replace? So in baseball right now, it's about like how deep you are in certain positions. That's why I love the Adam angle, even though I wasn't big on the Eaton, but now you have a lot of options. You can rest Eloy. So those are little things that will take it. But I definitely think that you 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 need to learn how to play in that grind. I'm not saying they can't do it. Okay. Mind you, I, I my expectations for them is they need to make the playoffs. Okay. If they make the playoffs, They've done they've done good to see how far they go into, but I'm not doing the whole World Series or bust. I, I I can't. That's just not, you know, that's not realistic in my eyes. It definitely could happen though. Yeah, you, you touched on, on on some good points there, Junior. And you know, first, um, kind of circling back to a couple of things you talked about earlier. This is a very anti-Minnesota Twins uh, group right here, so we hate them with a the passion. So you right. because th- that's the team that. I mean, that, that's the Sox' biggest rival as far as I'm concerned. So, so it's funny. I'm going to give you a real quote before you went to that. So we were arguing with former skipper Ozzie Guillen, and I said, the White Sox are the twins. They're your daddy. And he's like, what do you mean? I said, well, even you, when you managed, you only did good against them like four years out of like your seven that you were there. I think they clinched twice at our house, including 04. Mm-hmm. So then he actually went in and Googled it, and I was he's like, damn, you're right. 
So you are right. They are our biggest rival, I think, in the last 30 years. Yeah. So so we we hate them with a passion here. Um, so so that's that's a question. I should have worn a twins hat. I don't have to root for them now. My cousin's no longer there. So I would root for the twins when he would come up to bat. Don't do that, bro. Come on. I bro. don't have to here's the thing though. I don't have to root. I'm not gonna lie, I took a bet on FanDuel. This is why I'm worried about the division, okay? Everyone talks, everyone in Chicago has, you know, when you're a horse and you're in the race and you have like the things that cover your eyes, I don't even know what those are called. I look at everyone in the division, okay? I think Kansas City is not going to suck as bad as everybody thinks they are, okay? Because they got a bunch of no-name guys pitching that are like prospects that you don't know what they're going to give you. I don't think Cleveland is going to be a role in the park with that pitching staff, okay? I don't think the Twins are as good as they were last year, but I don't think they're going to be a role in the park. So if we think that we're walking into the National League Central and we're just going to win this division by 25 games and completely take it over – we have another thing coming. Like, there's really good teams that – so, like, we got to come out, like, really focused because unless they make an impact early on and take, like, a commanding lead, these are the teams that, like, linger what happened last year. And then at any moment, it could falter. So, for anyone that's out there thinks that this division is up for the taking, I even think the Tigers are going to be better. You know, I, like, they have them losing, like, 60 – you know, winning only 60 games. Like, I, I'm like, they, they might, you know, they might beat up. So, the, the division is a little weird and creepy. Like, there's not, like, top, two top teams, like, real dominant, like, Yankees, you know, in the East. But the White Sox should be that team. But those other two teams, they need to go out there and prove them. And what scares me is that one of them is, is the Twins, okay? And you don't know what they're going to be. Like, I think that not signing Odorsey was a huge mistake by them. You know, Ken Maeda, you know, runner-up to the Cy Young. Who knows if he can do it again in a full season? <laughs> so... Again, I, I think that it's the White Sox to lose, but I think it's uh, to be the champ, you got to do things that uh, you've never done before. And that's one of them is taking over, you know, Minnesota and putting a whooping on them and showing them, hey, we're the new we're the new team to beat. And if you do that early on, you just got to whoop on your division, man, and then play 500 against the rest of MLB and you're in the playoffs. That was, And that was one of the things that I talked about, and I wrote a piece about this um, back last September before that four-game series in Chicago when the Sox clinched the playoff spot about needing to exercise that demon of beating the Twins and being able to do it in Chicago in particular because that's something that they, they honestly have really struggled um, against them on, on their home field for whatever the reason is, and, and that's been going on for a long period of time. One of the questions that I really wanted to ask and one of the things that I think really kind of spurred our discussion and our back and forth that we had um, kind of getting back to the managerial situation here, and there's a sizable portion of the fan base, I would say, that obviously was not in favor of the Tony LaRusa hire and felt that Ricky – you know, was fine being being in the position of, of being the manager and that this team ultimately would be able to get to that next level with Ricky as the manager. And I felt for a long time that he was going to kind of get the Doug Collins treatment that, you know, similar to what happened with the Bulls when they were making their ascendancy, Phil, or Doug Collins was there and he was replaced by Phil Jackson, who then obviously was a, a Hall of Fame level coach and took them to the peak of their dynasty. And I never felt Ricky was going to be the guy that could do that for the Sox here. And I, I get the sense that you kind of feel the same. So I'm going to give you the floor here and let you kind of expand on that. You know what's so hard about being Isaac Jr. that everyone thinks that what I say comes like from my dad's thoughts or that I want to hate on someone. And I don't, and I don't like hating on people in baseball. And that's why when I do my job, it's so hard 
because I know what it takes to be in that position. And it's not easy. Okay. So my biggest concern with Ricky from the start was Ricky's never been a winner. Okay. Never won as a coach, never won as a player. He never won. Okay. Maybe you can read about it, learn about it. Okay. I'll give him the benefit of the doubt. I think with the Cubs, he had done a good job. Could he have taken that team to the next level? Was it, they let him go because of Joe? I didn't know. When he came to the White Sox, you saw flares of hope. Okay. And, and I'm going to be honest. I think he had the complete control of the clubhouse. Okay. I think those guys played for him. They loved him. Uh, I think Ricky was very uh, close to his players. I think that Ricky was almost as close to his players as Ozzy. For example, Ozzy was way closer. Ozzy just didn't tell the media about it. Okay. Like Ozzy's, you know, hugging kids and best friends with guys to this day. Maybe two guys out of all the guys that play from probably hate Ozzy. And it's probably mutual. But so, I, but that Nick Swisher? I know it's one not, of them. No, not switch. No, I don't think it's switch. No, 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 it's we'll, talk, we'll talk about the switcher story later because that's like the most fun. That's like so dumb. It's got to be like that team. So, but I think that he loved them and they got along really well and, and they meshed well. And again, that was Ricky's style of like, let them do what they want. They'll figure it out. But then at the end, when you have to be a winning manager, he never got better. Okay. He never got better at managing a bullpen. Poor Jimmy Cordero, for example. I saw the guy pitching the other day. He's done, man. Ricky, Ricky exploded him. Like, pitch him in the eighth, pitch him in a closing situation, long reliever. So when you're a manager, that's usually your number one fear is like, I can't exploit my bullpen, okay? I can't, you know, I can't exploit players. So, you know, he, he bench a guy for not running one day, usually Moncada, but then he wouldn't do it for Tim, okay? That starts causing issues. Uh, and then he wouldn't come out and say it. Like he he said that he wanted a really a starter when he was in the run, but he didn't really say it. Um, so we never really saw him as like take control and say, I'm going to control my destiny. He kind of always played this nice guy. Like if I'm here and I'm nice enough, they'll let me keep my job. Um, but I don't think that he developed. And I, man, there's two things. I'm going to have to do it. And this is going to be sad. And whoever's watching this. So unraveling. So in Minnesota, in, uh, in Cleveland, so anytime you guys are watching a game, always watch the manager, okay? Ozzie Guillen sat in his corner, and he had that stupid towel, and he'd be like, you know, always, same same, same routine, same everything. He'd only get up to argue, talk to guys, you know, he'd scream. Every good manager has that. In Cleveland, Ricky started, he usually used to sit, like, high. Like, Cleveland, we get there, and now Ricky's like, the pressure's getting to him. In Oakland, this is how he ended managing the season. Hands on his knees, okay? Top step with hands on his knees like he was coaching third base. Right when I saw that, I said, oh, man, this guy's – he's." if I'm seeing it, I'm not the front office. I'm like, this guy, the pressure's to him. Like, he's trying to do – he's not even himself. So, in my opinion, I, I think that was the beginning of the end for him. I do think that maybe two months before, maybe they would have considered him for the long haul. But he never improved as a manager. Um, and I think that's why at the end, you know, he wasn't so for the longest time, I thought he was an analytical manager. And then he made the comment, oh, I don't I don't believe in analytics. And I'm like, so what are you then? Are you an experienced manager? Man, that's not good. <laughs> like, I was like, I was like, you should have stuck to analytics, bud. So he would just be, <laughs> I'm just so he, he you know, he, he would do things that you're like, oh, man, bad move moves that are like you're doing not, not even to protect like not even the move to protect yourself it was just like what what is this so 
um, you know, the mishandling of Pantera, you know, just letting him like go down, lose a rookie of the year, like just letting him tank. Like that was just little things like that. That I was like, this guy can't, he's not ready to be this guy. And then obviously, you know, there was a lot of options. I don't know why everyone was obsessed with AJ Hinge. I thought AJ Hinge was like Hawk Harrelson's son for a while because everyone was like obsessed with him. There's a lot of options out there, but at the end of the day, there's not a lot of guys that are better than Tony. You know, even Ozzy didn't get the fans didn't even want Ozzy. They're like, ah, who's that guy? The last time Jerry said, hey, interview this guy, it didn't go bad for the White Sox. So at the end of the day, you know, you, you have a team that's ready. So I think it's funny because they were like, we're going to ask in the interview how they do it in other organizations. You're not rebuilding. These heads are here. What are you going to ask the manager? That's something you ask like when you're in a rebuilding stage. So I think that Tony was a guy that was, you know, he wanted to do it. Maybe Jerry wanted to, you know, close it out that way. Um, and, and again, I, 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 I thought that if he was physically fit to do it, he's always been into analytics. Okay. I'm sure he's teaching people in the front office about certain things he wants to do. And then I think that in the X's and O's, you know, not a lot of guys are better than him with the bullpen. I think that's actually one of the best things that he has. This White Sox team is going to play very short games. You know, it used to be the seventh. Now it's going to be the fifth, sixth. Tony's very dangerous with that. If Tony takes the lead, because Ozzy used to manage that same style, if he takes the lead, you protect the lead, you know, at all costs. When you're losing, kind of just let the game, you know, see what happens. So he's he becomes very dangerous. So I, I feel bad. Like, I want to – Rocco Baladelli and, and Mike Matheny and, and AJ are going to have their hands full when they, when, you know, when they manage against the White Sox. Before they were like, oh, yeah, how's it going? Oh, White Sox. Okay, cool. Make my lineup stay here. I think with, with Tony, we're going to see, you know, he's got a good team. They can run well. And the bullpen, I think, is going to handle really well. So, yeah, I, people are, are upset about Tony. I think half of the people that were, like, mad about him only saw the comment that he made in Arizona. Okay. Um, he saw the comment that he made, uh, you know, the DUI situation, and they were judging him on that. But, you know, it's funny because we, we talked to Ozzy about that all the time, and he would have had a hard time because Ozzy had a rule that everyone had to be, you know, in the dugout by the national anthem. He would have been like, I don't care if you, you know, lay down, take it. I don't care. But everyone on the team has to be outside from the bench during the national anthem. That's like, I don't, I don't care what you do, how you're dressed but you have to be in the national anthem. So again, I, I know that to certain guys, and I think that's where he got caught up. It was a weird summer and, and people just ran with it and they didn't know who Tony was or, and they called the guy a racist. Like, come on, you know, he could be a lot of things, you know, maybe makes poor decision on drinking and driving, which a lot of people have, but racist, absolutely not. I think, uh, I think for me, at least just to kind of explain, and so I, I can't speak for anybody, everybody else in this room, right or in this in this podcast right now but uh i was more irritated and not the higher not the age of tony larusa but by the due diligence that i didn't feel was done now obviously i don't work in a front office man i'm sitting here in a basement drinking some beers and talking some baseball with my friends for sure but i was just i, I wanted due diligence done and i felt like you had kind of said jerry wanted the guy before which was ozzy and they interviewed him they hired him and it turned out well Jerry wanted Tony to do it because there's a ton of potential on this roster and he thinks that he can capitalize off of it, make something happen. I just want to do diligence to be done. Maybe go look around, man. Maybe someone will surprise you in the interview process. Like you said, you know, we all have day job, you know, we all do that kind of stuff, I, you know, and I, I do interviews too. And somebody's resume I look at 
might not equate to the in-person interview that might change your mind on said person. So that was where I came from with it all. But once he was hired, I'm not going to go to bat and be like, yeah, Tony LaRusso, I'm going to wear him on the back of my jersey. You know what I'm saying? But I'm going to support it. because That's how good this team is. That's how good. I think that Jerry and the front office think that this team is that good. On paper, more than 2005, more than 2008, because they were not just going to give it to anybody. Okay, When Ozzy came, even though he impressed Kenny in the interview and everybody knows his story, and Ozzy was interviewed as a favor, and Cito Gaston was like the guy that was supposed to get the job, I think that it was like, well, we didn't win with the last guy. What can I lose? If this guy sucks, I'll just fire him and, re and we'll rebuild. Okay? Wasn't Ozzy hung over during that interview? Yeah, he was hung over. Like, he, 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 he partied the night before uh, World Series and he showed up and – Baseball interviews have changed, okay? Like when Ozzy came in, just like Tony, they're interviewing the franchise. Like who, what players you got? You know, it, they got players now doing like do an interview. And like Jimmy walked in and like, how would you treat Jimmy? They want to make it so corporate America. And baseball is not corporate America, man. These guys are just real dudes. And you have to have somebody in the clubhouse that can talk to a Dominican player that can communicate with a guy that, you know, is from, you know, Alabama, a guy making 15 million, a guy making 2 million. So for example, Ozzy's English is horrible, but he can communicate with everybody in the clubhouse, a baseball guy. And that's something that, you know, he only cared about his team. He didn't care about the fans. He didn't care about the media. He cared about what the 25 guys on his team thought about him. And that's it. Okay. That's it. Ozzy didn't care about what my mom thought, what I thought, what my brothers thought, what nobody, just the 25 players and the staff. That's it. So I think that when you're looking at things like that, you're looking at the right fit. So interview, I was surprised, man. Like the AJ Hinge, like, do you think players were not going to judge when somebody walks in and they've just been caught for cheating the World Series? Like literally, like you just got caught. Like your ring is due to trash can banging. Like as a player, I think that was a bigger issue than a guy that caught a DUI. You know, there's guys that players get DUIs and no one knows about it. Like it happens. So I think that when people were like going after that, um, but again, the due diligence, you wanted the eyewash interview. All the interviews in baseball are all eyewashes. That's why Ozzy gets called out because he's like, why am I interviewing, okay, for a manager job? But then you're interviewing a guy who's completely analytical and who's 22 years old. You don't want the same manager. And as a franchise, you have no idea what you want and you're not good at your job. So why waste my time interviewing me because I'm a Latino and you're going to check a box and now I'm rumored to be a manager. I think that when teams want somebody, they know somebody. They That conversation, by the way, they were having it all year long. Are we going to bring them back? Are we not going to bring them back? Who's the manager? That stuff happens. That's how Ozzy doesn't end up in the White Sox, you know, leaves because they weren't going to re-sign him. He was a sitting duck. We could do better without him. You know, things get around. So I think that that conversation probably was had already. But people wanted – the White Sox fans just wanted there to be a resume posting on Twitter – a posting of a resume, okay, when you show your credentials for you to interview, interview maybe broadcasted, okay, and shown. But if, if people are going to argue with me that Rick, that Tony, that Rick Hahn, Rick Hahn might know a lot of things, might know money, might know being a lawyer, a lot of knowing more than baseball and Tony La Russa. Yeah, I, I've been in conversations with both of them. That's a very hard one. And, and, and this other part, Tony wasn't like in the woods hiding like Jack McKeon and then coming back and being like, wait, where has this guy been? He had been working in the front office for four years. So I think that 
I think if people wanted an interview process, it would have been eyewash. It was just when it was just going to be for show. Why waste people's time? Uh, that's a fair point. I mean, that was just the only thing that I thought. I mean, like I told you, I don't understand. I've never worked. I loved in it. Though. I loved it. I loved baseball. it because it, I was. I I thought it was so funny because I thought at first people weren't going to react that bad. And obviously, then the DUI came out, and oh my god, cancel culture. And when he sees Timmy, they're going to roll on the ground, and Timmy's not going to wear the uniform. And I'm like, you know what? Like, let the guy do the job. And everyone was making opinions, but X's and O's when it matters on the field. If these guys go out and play for Tony. At the end of the day, they have to assimilate, you know, to your managers. And, you know, I think strategy-wise, he won't be outmatched. Not many guys can. Uh, but at the end of the day, the players got to do it. Tony can't hit for them. But if they believe in his – if they believe in what Tony has to bring and they get that and they become a team, they're going to be very dangerous. But I was okay. At the end of the day, those decisions are made by one or two guys. I've never been a a, a fan of, like, the interviewing process. Let's interview 30, 45 guys. That's all BS. Like, they – you know, like their pitching coach, they knew who they wanted. They went for him. They got him. You know, you know, and th- that's how baseball works. And people want to change it. You know, people want to be like, oh, it's not corporate America as much as they, they wanted to make it. Let's get to uh, a listener question right here. We got one coming in uh, from uh, Matt Berklin. Uh How do you prepare these players for jumping from a short season to a long season? Ozzy, what do you think, uh, what do you think that transition is going to be like uh, for guys this year? Uh, it's going to be a reality check. Uh, maybe a little bit of a PS five, maybe beer, uh, any other way that you can handle it. Uh, cause if Nick Madrigal thinks he's going to hit 380 the rest of the year, he's got to look at some history in baseball. Uh, this game will humble you. will put you on your knees. And that's why I got to see, that's why my hesitation of this team, they've never had this run. Okay. Uh, a couple guys have, um, they're ready to make the jump to Giolito to be like a Cy Young type winner, you know, one and three, you know, Timmy keep doing it, Abreu do it for a whole season. Uh, it's a, it's a big thing, you know, uh, that fans, uh, you're not only playing your division 18 times, you know, every day. Uh, that's also a little change for scouting reports, but I think it's going to be an adapt. I, I think that uh, for some guys, it might be a little curve, you know, a little learning, a little slump, but they got to find ways to, to, to win, but yeah, it's going to be, it's going to be an addition. Also take care of your body. You know, I think that that's the biggest part physically get ready to play 162. No one does it anymore. Guys will play 130 and they're like, they're Iron Man. So from that aspect, uh, getting ready physically to do it um, and just stay healthy, just be able to stay on the field and, and mentally ready and physically ready because the game will give you a grind. Uh, and I think, I think the, the, it, it takes a toll on both of both those things mentally and physically. So yeah, I think physically, you know, last year you went over 20, you you're done. Did you just reference the the modern day major leaguer as layman week, Ozzy? Is that what you're going at? I call it, I call it, I call modern day baseball. It's fun, but I call it marshmallow baseball. Again, I think there's pros and cons. I'll give you an example. We were watching a video the other day on Ozzy Guillen and he was hitting 358 at the all-star break. Okay. It's like seven Hall of Famers behind him. And I looked at him and I said, let me guess. You played every other game in the second half. Of absolutely. Why? He would get paid because of Iron Man. Cal Ripken played 162. Ozzy would play 160. That's how he got paid. Now Ozzy would have been like, oh, you know, I have an oblique. You know, I have this. And you take a couple days off and, you know, you don't play 162. You play 120, 130. You take care more of your body. 
The part where I think that's funny and ironic, if you only played 120 games, that means when you're in the playoffs, you should be all like, you should be the Incredible Hulk. You know, you should be even better shape because you haven't played that many games because it's not that usual anymore. But I don't think it's soft. I just think that the mentality of, you know, when you want to win, man, you want to win more than, than breathe. I remember, for example, PK, one of the reasons I respected him so much, the guy had like a bone bruise. Okay, so like the inside of your bone is bruised. So every time he hit the ball, it was like you're getting jammed. You know, Jim told me would show up at the ballpark 10 o'clock for a 7 o'clock game to get work done, all the money in the world, beautiful family, and he's there because he wants a ring. You know, that's that's when you take it to the next level. And I'm going to be honest, man, I miss Herm Schneider. Hermie would get guys on the field, um, and he's no longer there. So that I like guys being able to stay on. And let's be honest, look at the White Sox. You know, they, they one of the things that has hurt them in the past is they don't haven't played a lot of games together um, as a whole. Usually Moncada goes down, and then Tim goes down, and then somebody else goes and down. Eloy so, runs into a fucking wall. Or Eloy, you know, or Eloy runs into a wall. Um, but that's what I mean. Health, health is, is extremely important. Uh, and then being able to play – not not hurt, not hurt, but with a little bit of pain. Ozzy, one of the things that um, you know you kind of touched on a little bit before we went live here was some of the dynamics within the organization. You know, going back to the time when your dad was a manager here, and obviously a lot has been made about um, you know over the years about the dynamics between your dad and and Kenny Williams and a lot is being made in the realm of White Sox Twitter about who's really in control who's really making decisions and what does that process look like between Rick Hahn and Kenny Williams Jerry Jerry's wife's in Jerry's wife's in charge because that's the only boss he has I, I Jerry, Jerry's always been the man okay I think he's always part of the conversation is his money his team um but Kenny and Rick have always – their titles were different back then. You know, Ozzy used to talk a lot to Rick, especially when him and Kenny were having issues. Kenny and Ozzy were like – I've never seen two such smart guys with similar attitudes be such geniuses and work so well together and only be able to push each other's buttons that way. Okay. Because he's and he's a very, very good front office man, doesn't get the credit that he deserves. But he's so close to it that he needs people around him not to be yes men. Okay. And Ozzy was that guy to call him out. He was that guy to the whole organization. Maybe Tony can be that way because he knows the game and he won't be, you know, scared to, you know, say, why are we doing this? Um, but the, he was a mad genius. I think both of them were. And and they worked really well together. Uh, the competitive levels get to them. Uh, got to them like a marriage. I think that a lot of things happen, you know, off the field that looking back, they could have been prevented or changed, but both very, very, you know, uh, just, he always, you knew that he was the general manager. And I think now as president of baseball, is he making decisions on a day by day basis of we're going to bring this guy up or bring this guy down? No. But is he is he involved in a big move like the manager? Absolutely. On a big signing? Why wouldn't you? The guy's, you know, he, he's been in this game for so long in his development of a team. So he's scouting. Uh, I'll tell you this much. I trust more Kenny scouting a player than I do Rick. Not saying Rick doesn't know baseball, but that's Kenny's background. 
Um, he's done it before. He was a scout for a long time. Um, so when you're looking at that combination, also, I, I think Rick is probably one of the best, even back then, uh, guys with money, you know, signing guys to really good contracts. That's one of the White Sox positives of signing guys that are very good value. Um, of course, you make, you know, you make your mistakes like your Martians of the world, um, or your Kipner, Kipner, whatever his name was, the third baseman. We don't need to go down that list, but, you know, they're really good at that. So I think that they both have their strengths. Um, I think that everyone in White Sox world thinks Rick is like the, because he's the one in front of the camera every day, but it's a working, you know, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a unit. It's a collaboration and Rick goes in and, and says, and says it. I don't know why everyone thinks that if Kenny touches it, it's bad. The guy got you a ring, you know, got you winning seasons uh, for everyone to turn and say, we need to go analytical. White Sox fans love imitating other teams. If there's a team that has four first basemen, we need to go that route. If there's a team that's got speed, we got to go that route. They got to worry about White Sox and how they play baseball. But I think it's a it's a team. It's a front office, you know, it's a front office decision, and it's always been that way. And 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 you always want to see the, you know, the chairman, like you know what he thinks and what's his opinion. They're not going to bring somebody, you know, if he doesn't want him there, or vice versa. He might say, hey, look into this guy, which I don't think he does very often. Um, but it's you know, if you're going to spend. White Sox fans want a player to get signed so bad for three hundred million. Um, that's like their thing. That's like their wish. Anyone who's a, available for three hundred million, the White Sox want him, um, no matter who he is. Even if it's Rusey Castillo with Boston, Google him. White Sox fans. Um, not all Cubans are good players. Uh, Rusey Castillo, eighty million. Um, but I think it's a collaborative. I think that, uh, and hopefully that dynamic between Tony, Kenny. There's push. There's back and forth. Rick. Um, of what you need, because I think that, you know, you can't have yes, 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 yes. Um, but I think Kenny Williams is probably one of the smartest baseball guys that has come through Chicago. He worked great with Ozzy um, when it came to baseball. Um, but I think that, is there a boss? I'm always going to say it's JR. People, you know, this summer was hard because they had the last dance. Okay. And people watched like the whole Bulls thing. And people were losing their minds because of the last dance. And obviously Jerry owns that team. So I think it all comes together. Um, you know, we've, we've, the White Sox haven't had a history of like multiple, you know, playoff appearances. Uh, and again, they have their opinions about him. I think he's, I think he's one of the, one of the probably one of the top five businessmen that I know. Great owner, uh, has a ring. And I think that he spent money this year when I thought that he wasn't. And I think that, might be because Tony's a manager and they know they have a good team because had there been another manager, he says, you know what? Okay. I give a, I have my opinion. What happened if they get AJ Hinch, but they don't sign anybody. So Oz, one thing that you've been bringing up a few times is the White Sox like to copy off of a lot of other organizations for what they're doing. You bring up the Tampa Bay Rays. You brought up the example of, you know, if, if the White Sox see another organization has four first basemen, they've got to go chase it. We've heard, you know, over and over again, we've got to go find that left-handed power hitter. Where does this come from? So we talk about, you know, you say Jerry's a great businessman, and I agree with you 100% behind that. He, he makes the right financial decisions. He's got a ring. Nobody can argue with that. But where does this come from? Where does this uh, this desire to chase other organizations instead of I, where, where, where do they develop their own identity? And, and, and will Jerry Reinsdorf be the owner when the White Sox do develop that identity? They're 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 Bears fans. It's Chicago. Knock it off, man. Come they're on. Bears, they're 
they're Bulls fans. I've got we nothing. Are, we are the stepkids of other big cities in sports. <laughs> we White Sox is the the little brother of the Chicago Cubs. You know, they always worry about other people. I think they have an identity. They had it. You know, imagine the conversation from 2004 to 2005 when Ozzy told Kenny, we need to get rid of, and he had a list. Like, we need to get rid of all these guys. Okay? It was a long list. And he was like, wow, okay. There's my third, my fourth. That's a lot of good players. And he made it happen. But it was because they needed to change the chemistry and build the team and that's what they needed, I think. I hate the word rebuild because everyone rebuilds, okay? Um, you had a great piece in Chris Sale. That was the first rebuild, by the way. The Chris Sale, Quintana, that uh, that thing, that was the first rebuild, but that didn't work. They used it in market it, but that was the first failed rebuild. Um, you had good pieces to trade that you got value for back, and then you started putting the team together. And if you think you're going to make a team all on homegrown talent, that's not true. Um, and they went and signed a couple key pieces. And we'll see how the season goes this year if if they need to sign more key pieces. They're they're counting on their pitching, okay? They're counting on their homegrown guys, um, which has worked before for the White Sox. But I think that they need to worry about when they're in the front office, what are we really good at? And, and it's not only the White Sox, man. A lot of teams get crazy and they go – like right now the Dodgers, I don't care what anybody tells me, Andrew Freeman is a, is a fluke. And he's not an analytics man. He just went and spent a lot of money and got the best team possible. So when everyone's like, the Dodgers are analytical. Yeah, maybe for like strategy, but definitely not putting a team together. They just went and got Mookie Betts and Trevor Bauer. Like, you know, that's just spending. Tampa often imitated, very rarely duplicated because the Pirates are trying to do the same thing. So are the Mariners. Okay. So there's teams that are trying to do the same thing and it's not working for them. So that's what analytics now. It's not like when Billy was doing it, that no one had this. Everyone now has an analytical team, one better than the other. And Baltimore has been doing it forever. So it's, I think it's the right combination. I think the White Sox need to find out what their identity is themselves, okay? Not the media, not go-go Sox, not Ozzy Ball. Not, you need to know what you are, like what you are in that clubhouse. Who are we? Are we going to be, you know, fans probably thought that they weren't having fun, but God, they were such little cocky little bastards. In 2005, maybe the fans loved them, but every opponent we played against, they hated them, hated them completely. They were top steppers. They would talk a lot of trash. AJ would lead that way. You know, there was a lot of back and forth, a lot of accountability. That worked for that team, okay, and Ozzy adapted to that. This team, if Ozzy was a manager, maybe Tony, maybe it's a little bit more, you know, a little bit more hugging, a little bit more, you know, like I always make the joke, maybe putting them to bed, you know, at night and, you know, having conversations about, feelings and you know what's happening in the world of today that's the player Tony will adapt to that at the end of the day you need to perform okay so when Gio says we need to be tough and go in yeah you got to go and do it so I think that finding your identity is not marketing is you really find it on the field and and you got to go and do what you your identity is there's teams that are quiet and they just slug and they shake hands we became that team we didn't win anything but that was our identity and we won as like a bunch of dirt balls that just grinded it out. You know, nobody believed in them. Everyone hated the manager. You know, half of the fans in Chicago would just talk trash the whole time. And that's the only ring they got in the 88 years. So you need to find your identity. The fans can't give it to you. You know, you can't go opening day this year and put on Thunderstruck and think that they're going to catch fire and that's going to be it. You know, you can't go, you know, and, and, and put the, the bull song from 96 and think that these guys are going to get pumped up. No, they got to find it themselves. 
and, and basically build their own identity. And you do that by winning and, and finding ways. So I think that's what they're in search for this year. Because right now they're a really fun team that hasn't won anything. Steve, you look like you're brewing something up over there. Well, I just wanted to kind of expand and kind of ask a follow-up to what Ozzy was talking a little bit about some of the front office dynamics of it. And you mentioned about a collaboration, okay, between Rick and between Kenny and between Tony. Here's my question. So obviously, you know, you've spent a lot of time around Jerry Reisdorf. You've sat in on some of those meetings when your dad was the manager and when Rick and Kenny were in the room. Let's say we're in a scenario where it's July and this team is, say, two games up on Minnesota. So, you know, you, you got a you got a division race coming here, and we're at the trade deadline. Need to acquire a piece, whether it's a starting pitcher, right fielder. You know, Andrew Vaughn is struggling, to, you know, out to shoot at DH, and so they need to get another bat in there. Rick and Kenny want to go with one guy, and Tony wants somebody else. Is Tony going to be able to go to Jerry? Overrule and overrule him and say, "This is the guy that I need on my team." And is Jerry ultimately going to listen to Tony? What's better for the team? I'll give you an example: 2005 White Sox. They wanted a big bat. They wanted a. They wanted a Carlos Delgado. Okay, who, who's they? Oh, who's they? Clarify who, any. You know, front office. That was going to take at bats from Rowan, from Carl Everett. The White Sox had literally rolled over everyone, okay? Ozzy said, we need a lefty off the bench who's going to come in and be part of the team, okay? They brought in Blummer, okay? It worked out. It might, it might, it might have not worked out, but you have to have the con- – and that was – you know, that wasn't like a conversation like, oh, the other one, World Series roster, front office wanted Brandon McCarthy, Ozzy said, oh, Duke Hernandez is in my bullpen. It's it, He's on the roster. Why did we bring him here? Oh, Brandon's a better, you know, why is Jose Contreras starting game one? You know, everyone else wanted Mark Burley. Ozzy had nightmares from when Gene Lamont started Jack McDowell versus Toronto, who had his pitches and everybody knew it, but they went with their number one guy because the fan favorite front office, Jack deserves this. But you're worried about winning the game. So whatever... Whoever those guys are looking for, you have to sit how it fits in the clubhouse, okay, and how it fits on the team. Because if you come in and your best player, you know, Andrew Vaughn is like the 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 the, the glue that keeps everybody together. And now you come in and bring a guy that does not get along with the players, takes at bats from Vaughn, that might affect the chemistry of the run. So you always have to see what what that piece that you're bringing in fits to the piece. We did it with Manny Ramirez. We brought in Manny. You know, we knew that he couldn't play, but that was a move the front office came. Ozzy was like, you guys want him. You always give your opinion as a manager. They're going to do at the end of the day what they have to do. When you're when you're a manager, you can't sign the move. The front office does that at the end of the day. So it's like a pitcher. The catcher can call the pitch. You got the ball. So the front office, I, I don't think, I don't think, I don't think Tony would ever be like, this needs to happen now. I think they're going to talk about. You know, I'm sure that last year Rick Rick Renteria said, "I need a pitcher." Okay, I need a real, I need an arm. I need Lance Lynn. Let's trade for him. And they said, "Ah, you know, eh, I don't think so. We're not ready for that." And you know, could that made a difference? Who knows? So, I think that those are just conversations that are had, and it's not black and white, but they're had. 
and 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 you go there and there's always you know front office guys want a guy over another guy i don't think the white sides have that issue everyone's pretty much set in their in their roles um you know we'll see we'll see people freaking out when adamine has second against righties and moncada's hitting eighth and then pantera hitting second you know we're, we're gonna see people freaking out over lineups um but they're gonna you know uh, they're gonna try to you know figure it out uh and you know it's gonna take them a little bit and you know he'll he'll get there but people are gonna freak out regardless but i think it's a collaboration i don't think someone's gonna overstep um are feelings gonna be hurt absolutely feelings are always hurt the only way that doesn't hurt you is if you win you're like you don't care you're like ah oh, that was the great i'm so glad you said something and didn't make me go the opposite way you know ozzy Gian, for example when the griffey move ozzy was like really ken griffey he hasn't played center field like in eight years like and he came over. He did really well for the Sox. You know, threw out that guy at the plate. So that one worked out for the other side. So I think that's the dynamic. I don't think – I think people in Chicago want – I think I think that's what fans really want. They want somebody – they want Rick on the phone telling the manager, okay, now bunt. Now do this. That's what they really want. And that doesn't work because if you're going to do that, then have the GM come down and be the manager and see how that works out. So I think it's a balanced thing. I think people are overlooking that. They're making it way deeper than it is. Um, I think that the and again, you have to see what you're giving up, prospects, um, future, you know, positions, what you got, and how close you are. You know, how 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 uh, how close are you to the pennant? You know, are you in first place by five games? Are you fighting for the pennant? That's when you got to see and make the moves. And I think that they have people in that front office, in Tony, that they can make that right move. I think that they have the. They're not going to let it just go by um, because Tony will say, I need this. Uh, and I don't think Tony's going to be scared of saying it in the media. He'll say, hey, I need a lefty bat. You know, now the pressure's on the front office. I'd like to hear Steve. I'd like to hear Steve kind of respond to this a little bit just to, to get his thoughts on his own question here because I'm curious. Well, I mean, look, that, w- that was – maybe one of the greatest concerns that I had with the LaRusa hire was that ultimately he was going to essentially be the second most powerful man within the White Sox organization. And that if it came, if push came to shove, ultimately that he would be able to overrule uh, Rick and Kenny just because of the relationship that he has with, with Jerry Reinsdorf. And so as an outside observer, that's something that I was concerned about. So if there is, if there is that, maintaining of a collaborative environment where everyone is is talking expressing their opinions and and giving their rationale on why they want to make a move on why they want to bring in a particular player and and the potential impact that it's going to have then that's really the type of environment that 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 i want to see right there um so so i'm going to make a joke i don't know how fans are going to take it probably not well given this very fired phil jackson Jerry's fired Ozzy Guillen multiple times. Player, he didn't fire him. He traded him. Uh, Jerry's fired uh, other managers, including Tony La Russa. Jerry hasn't fired Rick Connor or Kenny Williams yet. So when people talk about relationships, I think that Kenny has the best relationship in Rick Hahn. You know what I mean? God, not even Cooper survived. You know? So, and he's still standing there from that, you know, even before 2005, like 2000, God, the guy who was before the GM before him was Ron Schuler. You know what I mean? So when people talk about loyalty and like who's in charge, 
trust me, I think that he's the boss at the end of the day. I don't know how Rick and him work out, you know, how that whole dynamic things of their, their, their uh, working environment of, you know, how Kenny and Rick, you know, decide to do that. I think it works out. They're both making a lot of money and it's working out for them. Um, and I think Rick is like, I don't have to be the man like ego wise and it works well, but I think they're both the bosses because, They've been there for 30 plus years, which gives Tony a reason to say, well, you haven't won in 15. Okay. And this is, you know, there's when Ozzy left, the team started losing. Okay. And then rebuilds, rebuilds, rebuilds. And now they're starting to get in the winning ways with a short season and they're getting there with a new manager like Tony. So we want to know, you know, Tony's going to have some pushback of saying, okay, is it you guys or is it, you know, was it Ozzy's way? Like, how do you know, how are we doing this? Like, what's going on? Um, because you want to get back into winning. So I, I do, I do believe that Tony needs to come in and say, Hey, yeah, you know, this is how you, you know, I've had success before. This is how we've done it and the coaching staff and, and whatnot. But I definitely, that is such uh, I think that personal relationship means nothing when it comes to the business. I think those are two completely different things. Um, I think that, you know, the owner loves the guys that have worked for him, but I think when it comes to like, who's the boss, he lets people do their thing. So I definitely think Kenny, you know, he's been there the longest. So I'm not, I wouldn't worry about that. You know, if God, if, if Tony takes out Kenny, that's, you know, whoa, that's a, that would be, you know, that would be shockwaves. Because he is the boss. Like, he's been there the longest time. I've never thought of it that way, honestly, until I heard you talk right there. That's, a, that's pretty insightful. I don't know how you feel about that, Buzz, but it, it is true. It, it is true. Kenny has been there for a very long time and, and has never been fired by Jerry. I, that's, that's something to think about. Buzz, you got anything else? No, I really don't. I mean, I have, most of my questions were already answered. I I, I did have one more question. Um, oh, that's it. Yeah, I, I did. I, I only I, I, ball tonight. One sixty-two and zero. This I want to bring up before you ask me a question. How are the fans going to react when they come back two and six from the road trip in the West Coast? Oh, we're going to overreact. What are you talking about? Burn it down. I'm just saying. Yeah, I'm just saying. It, it, I mean, very it, realistic. It, it, it's very realistic. Okay, West Coast opening day. You know, you got Anaheim, which you don't know what they have, and you got Seattle. You could easily come back six and two or two and six. It kind of goes back to your point that you made before, and, and that's being a Chicago fan when you threw the Bears into it. And I was, you know, obviously it's a Sox podcast, but since you brought them up before, I'll, I'll I'll just tell you my perspective on it. I have the biggest love hate. I'm a Bears season ticket holder. I have the oh. biggest love hate relationship with them. I was born into them. Okay, I was born into them and I can't let them go because they're a moneymaker, but I hate them, but I love them so much. But it's oh, it's always these things. And it's not like every team. It's like the Bulls and the Sox with me, except I'm usually more patient. I see that silver lining with the Sox a lot, which is why I get myself in trouble on Twitter a lot. One thing I was this was my question for you is just because you know how baseball works so well. You've been around it for so long. One of my main concerns was Andrew Vaughn. And I've been told by guys that cover the team that you know not i mean not even just necessarily cover the team but that you know do a bunch of research into baseball and stuff like that does not matter that he hasn't played in the minors he was the most advanced bat drafted when he was taken 
you know, and I was just kind of like thinking to myself, and I've said it on this podcast before, going into a competitive season where, like you said before, you see a lot of people saying World Series are bust. I want a competitive season. I would love for them to win the World Series. Of course, I'd be a lying, I'd be a fucking liar if I told you right now I didn't want that. But I would expect growth too, because it's a young squad. I would expect growth to build your way to get there. But with how the front office is kind of sold and how Rick Hahn made his comments, the World Series or bust, when I'm on the outside looking in with an, a player that hasn't had any major league time whatsoever, was on the taxi squad last year, has not been above single A, and I get scrutinized for saying I'm I'm concerned about that. I don't I mean, I don't know if it's a, a fair worry that I have or not. I want that was one of my questions too. I have written down is what you think about a guy like Andrew Vaughn who hasn't had a ton of experience that's kind of being rumored and thrust into a DH role in a team with world series aspirations right off the bat. That was one of my last questions. So, I had. so that's a great question. Okay. And you're being very realistic. So we were laughing and we knew that Tony was going to play nice because the situation that he's in had any other general manager said World Series or bus, if I was the manager, I would have said, oh, that's easy to say for the general manager. Come here and manage this team. Because now the pressure's on Tony. Now in the eyes of the world, okay, and Benetti and Stone, you know, everybody jumps up and everybody that used to be Hawk, now it's them. And everybody, you know, listens to the White Sox and, you know, like that's like the, the, the holy grail, okay? When you make that comment, and people hate on us. I'm saying my family, myself, and my father thinks that they're going to 90, they're going to win 95 games. Um, so it's not mostly him. But when I look at the roster, okay, I see a lot of talent, okay, talent-wise. And Vaughn, in my opinion, okay, this is me looking at it from a baseball perspective. I don't care if his barrel went through at this speed or whatnot. Just being around him and, and the way that I've seen him take at-bats, I think that he's a he's a baseball player. He's a guy that's going to grind in the big leagues. He's not a he's not a, a you know he's not a tool guy like oh look at me you know I'm six eight three hundred and fifty pounds and I look amazing and I'm a beautiful guy and I look awesome in a uniform. This guy, we were in Sox Fest and Harold Baines thought that he was an intern. Okay, and I said, hey man, that's 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 Vaughn the that's the first rounder because he's tiny. Okay. And I was like, man, this guy's a, like, I was like, this guy's a tiny little man. And then you look at his numbers and he's been a guy that has always produced. I believe that Vaughn is given the opportunity in the right spots. Okay. Cause there's a big difference of hitting fourth. If Joe Creedy was a fourth hitter for the White Sox, hence Nick Swisher leading off, not a good move. Ozzy should have been hitting like seventh way better team that way. You get to see the things like you love Ozzy Gein hitting ninth. Do you love Ozzy Gein hitting second? Eh, not very much. So like, that's when, that's when Tony's going to help them succeed of like, Hey, I'm going to put them like, do I think Pantera in a year, two years should be the number two hitter, maybe the number three hitter. Absolutely. When you look at Pantera, you're like, man, this guy's a freak of nature. Like he's just a man child. Like he's just legit. Looks amazing. We've we've done all podcasts without saying his name, Buzz. Oh, Luis Roberts. No, but I'm saying like, so for him though, when I look at him like potential wise, like when people are like, he needs to hit second. I'm like, yeah, but is, can he hit second today? I don't know. But potential wise he can. And I think that's the, that's where he should be. But for someone for like Andrew Vaughn though, I think that he's going to grind. He's going to struggle. And not only him, the other day I looked up stats and I said, I want 
the White Sox prospects to beat Diane Viseño. They're like, oh, what? What are you talking about? I'm like, look at his numbers. Look at his numbers. Okay. If you put, if you, if he has that type of season, and I'm not saying that he's a brave, okay, that he's these other guys, that's a very solid season. Again, Aaron Rowan, the hero of the 2005 White Sox, look up his stats. Okay. But he did amazing because he focused on defense, had some big hits, Joe Creedy. So you got to find the role players that where they fit. And that's where I'm not worried about Vaughn. I hope that he makes the team. That's actually going to be one of my tells. If Andrew Vaughn breaks camp with the Chicago White Sox, okay, he is going – the Sox are in it for real, and they're going to go, like, a full steam ahead. They're not thinking about six years from now. They're like, we're going to do this now. And especially with the backup catcher, okay, I think that the loss of McCann, in a sense of calling games, I don't believe in the the, the – Oh, he's the greatest framer of all time. You want to see good framing? Have somebody throw strikes, okay? Grandal, when people talk about the DH spot, the reason I wasn't huge on, like, let's go find another DH is because we got two great DHs, Eloy and Grandal, okay? Why? He's a catcher. You want to keep him – I'm not going to say his bat because he's not a 500 home run guy. He got paid like one, but he gets on base a lot, a lot of walks, okay? That's why I think that's he's most dangerous, good at bats. He's righty and lefty, but you can make him the DH, okay? And then you can make, you know, Eloy the DH on certain days and then play angle on the outfield. So they have a lot of tools that they can play with where Vaughn is not going to be exposed of you're going to be playing the position every single day and you'll have matchups. I think that's what's going to be a part of him. Do I think he's going to come up and hit 50 home runs year one? No, I don't think so. But do I think he's ready and compete? You're only big league ready if you're in the big leagues. And if he struggles for a little bit, send him down, bring somebody up, and then play that game. But do I think the Sox, when I look at the free agency, do I see somebody that I'm like, man, we should pay that guy $15 million to be our DH? I thought Kyle Schwarberg maybe. But then, you know, the money that he got, um, then I'm like, you know what, just go with the kid. Because we have those two guys that could be the DH. And Abreu too. Abreu needs to – this whole I need to play first base all the time, you need to start doing things that are better for the team you know, rest your legs. Like you're not, you're not 20, you know, you're better at the DH spot in certain games, certain matchups. Like, so you need to, that's going to be part of like Tony's game. And I think Luke Roy was a big pickup, you know, veteran catcher. I don't think Collins makes the team unless they're carrying three catchers. I wouldn't see why he would. I think you need a guy in, the, in, in, in the team that, and I love Collins, but if I was him, I'm like, if I was a size, I'd be looking to move him for like an arm or something, a piece, but Lee Croy knows his role. He's a backup catcher. Okay. He's going to catch when it's needed. He's, he knows his role. It's so hard having a young guy be the backup because you want to play and that's not your role. And you do, you know, one, you know, what's hard playing big leagues every day. You know, what's super hard playing every six days. Okay. That's even harder. <laughs> it's like, Oh, I haven't played in six days. Oh, let me go face, you know, Barrios. So that's where I think that the lineup, I'm not worried about Vaughn. I hope that he makes the team. I think he's ready. And why not? Test them out. Check it out. And it, this team is not going to win or lose based on Vaughn's offense. We got to worry about Anderson, Abreu, Eloy, Moncada. You know, those are the big boys. You know, like when we talk about pitching, everyone's like, oh, C's. And, you know, Kopech's from the bullpen. And it's like, dude, Giolito uh, needs to pitch like a Cy Young. Okay. Kaiko needs to pitch like who he is, not pitch four innings. You know, he needs to pitch what he says. And then Lynn, like, those are your three main guys. The other two guys is like, God, if C's wins 11 games, you're like, oh, my God. 
you know, not everyone's going to be a, an ace. Maybe five years from now or three years, they got that talent. But there's other guys that need to step it up that are that they're in the top echelon. Like pressure, Jose Abreu's got pressure. To, to keep performing like he did in the 60-game oh, he season. He's the only 100-game guy. The only 100 RBIs, 30 home runs. That's where Eloy needs to start looking at. Like, right. somebody needs to take that step of, I'm a dude. Okay? Like, am I a dude? Like, when you look at Grandal, 70 RBIs, never been a dude. 100 walks, but, like, are you a dude? Are you the big hurt? Like, are you Frank or are you Robin? You know, for older White Sox fans, are you are you PK or are you Joe? So, like, you need a couple PKs, a couple, you know, guys that are, like, the big boppers. Just like when you have the pitching staff, like, this is my ace. And then in the bullpen, they have it. They got, you know, closing-wise, they got, like, five options. You know, they they their bullpen's stacked. They, they got a good bullpen. And I guess, I, like, the last question I did have written down, and you kind of, uh, you know, put it up on a tee for me, is you brought up Grandal before, and there's been a lot of scrutiny on him. And it's Tony and Steve and I and Johnny – and you, you know all you know Johnny like we all have covered this during the season last season but a lot of people were very critical of him and then losing McCann this year and you said the big pitch framing thing the last question I have written down on my little notepad do I don't personally think it does because I have talent in G or talent I'm sorry I have no talent actually I have belief in Giolito's talent that he will be fine without James McCann but do you have an opinion on that it, just for people it's, that it's, have been it's, com- it's a comfort thing. I think that if you still you, think he does all right, I think if you were going to do this, okay. I think that you have to go back in the move. And that's why I don't drink the Kool-Aid and I second guess moves. When we came off that season, I didn't think when I was looking at the roster, I wasn't like, man, the catcher position is really struggling. You know what I mean? So I wasn't looking for a catcher. I wasn't, it wasn't like, Oh my God, we need a catcher. Like it was in 05. Like we went from Olivo to AJ. Like we needed a, there was a hole. There was no position there. Like no one had really carried it. I think that when they signed Grandal, I was like, I would thought Grandal was going to be more of a DH, you know, like that was like what they had talked about, but he came in as an everyday catcher. Obviously we saw what McCann did, played played his butt off to get a good contract, which he deserves. But then you have the comfort of Giolito. And, and now what Grandal needs to do, and I'm not saying he doesn't do this is, the difference with McCann is McCann is a catcher that he is worried about catching the game. Okay. There's guys that are like catchers. Like they're not worried about it. They go 0 for 5, 0 for 6. They're there to catch. And, you know, everyone talks about the framing, but, you know, there's blocking, you know, there's game calling pitch sequence. Okay. So is a pitching coach going to help him out when it comes to that? I look at the whole package. So I, I don't think that Jolito is going to just falter, but it's going to take some time. And, if I was them, I'd be practicing. I would have been if I was Jolito every spring training game, I'm I'm throwing to I'm throwing to Grandal. Okay. Because let's let's be honest. If you're in a playoff game, this happens a lot. This just happened to the Braves a lot. Every time Greg Maddox pitched, Eddie Perez had to be the the hitter. So now you got Eddie Perez, okay, and the pitcher. So that's two outs pretty much automatic. And then whoever was like the second baseman shortstop. So like Ozzy, for example, on the Braves would hit seventh, okay, when Eddie Perez was in a thing. So Ozzy was hitting seventh. So think about that. So because Eddie Perez was catching instead of Javi Lopez. But Greg never liked to throw him. So in the big game, you're like, oh, my God, I wish I really had this guy behind the plate. So I think that the quicker you get used to it, and he'll get his days off. But I, I, I think that 
you know, I think that he'll have it. I don't think he's going to have like a, a legit catcher, but if he feels better with Lecroy, you, you, you'll find ways to do it. But I think that Grandal won't get as tired catching every day and his offense will be better if you platoon him like catch, play, you know, play DH. No first base, please. He'll get hurt at first base. But like, you know, DH, catch, I think you can have a lot of fun with that. You know, it's funny. When Ozzy Guillen did this 10 years ago, Everybody called him an idiot. Go back to Venezuela. Why we're winning? We, we, we want Jim Tomey. We need a real DH. And now everybody's doing it. We want the platoon DH. We want the guy that can play left, that can play right, that can do this. It's funny Ozzie, because the game Ozzie, is I got to jump in here because this is one of, the, one of the very things I wanted to talk to you about. There are two things from your dad's tenure that I took issue with, okay? Now, my issue that I had, because I was at SoxFest in 2010. When someone in the crowd asked the question of your dad and of Kenny about, about whether or not Jim Tony was going to be, be brought back to be the DH. And Ozzy or and Kenny basically turned to Ozzy and said, it's the manager's call on if Jim Tomey is going to be here. Now, to your point, he was right in the sense that the idea of going to a rotating DH and utilizing different guys in that spot as a quote-unquote day off, so to speak, to keep their legs fresh was the right thing to do, and he was ahead of his time with that. My issue that I always had with it was the majority of those at-bats went to Mark fucking Kotze. Yeah. But you know what's funny? They would talk because that's when they wanted to be analytical, and they were doing the righty-lefty thing. So it's funny because no one says the story. You know, I think that that moment, if I was going to put a moment in when it went, started getting really bad, was in that moment because that wasn't the plan. Okay. It was an organizational, they gave Ozzy a list of potentials. And Ozzy says, if this is the list, give me Jim Tomey. Well, but you don't want him. He said, well, I do want him. I just think that the team, you know, is needs more speed and, you know, is like, we want to change the dynamics. We haven't won. And the other thing was Ozzy had a rule. If Jim Tomey made, like got on the, the, the team, they signed him. Jim Tomey would end the season with the White Sox. Okay. Unless they would trade him. And we had traded him two years before, two years. No, um, it, it was, it was the directly the year before. Yeah. And we, and we were in Minnesota and they were like, Oh my God, convince Jimmy to get traded. We need to trade him. We need to trade him. Everybody's convincing Jimmy. Cause Jimmy's like, no, I want to stay here. So that part happened. So Ozzy, I'm going to say this. I felt like he got thrown under the bus in that situation. They didn't have to put Ozzy out because at the end of the day, it wasn't Ozzy's call. They could have signed Jimmy. They signed a bunch of guys. Ozzy said, don't sign, J- don't sign Adam Dunn. What do they do? They signed Adam Dunn. You know, Ozzy told Ozzy's a funny story. Ozzy told Rick Hahn, and he can Rick Hahn can talk about it. Said, "Hey, Phil, we just made a mistake. What? We? I don't think we're, this guy's gonna be good." First day he signed. Again for that season, he did better later. But so managers are gonna want guys or not want guys. But I think that for that move, I felt bad because Ozzy got thrown under the bus. Okay, that's the year that they're filming the clubhouse, and we've always tried to get the footage of it when they were talking about that and they were looking for the DH position. And Ozzy was completely thrown under the bus. Ozzy had a you know, Ozzy called Jimmy to apologize. Ozzy had to call Jimmy's dad because he's like, why wouldn't I want Jim Tomey? Ozzy has a great relationship with him now. It was a baseball thing. Like, I think that you would be better off another team. You would get more at bats because this is the other part. The way that the White Sox wanted to do it of bringing Jimmy back was Jimmy as a lefty off the bench, play him in certain games as a power guy. 
And Ozzy said, if Jim Tomey's on my team, Jim Tomey's hitting fourth every day. Like, that's Jim Tomey. I'm not having Jim Tomey on the bench coming off and hitting. Like, I'm not, that's not, that's not me as a manager. Rick Renteria would have bent the knee. Jimmy, grab a bat. That's not Ozzy. That player takes over him. But I think that actually it's a huge, I think everyone thinks like the Juan Pierre, Diane Vesedo, that one, Ozzy got fired from the white side as a player because of Magli Ordonez because he wanted him to make the big league team. And he called out Ron Schuler in 97. That was the beginning of the end. I think that the beginning of the end was that Jim Tomei situation because obviously Katze didn't work out as well as he played. Andrew did okay. Um, you know, again, those are the two guys that we didn't lose because of those guys. Um, but you know, they could have done, but it was, it was, it was ahead of the future, what they were thinking about. But the, you know, Ozzy was too real and didn't didn't market it. You know, Ozzy, you know, he should have, now that we think about it, he should have marketed all his stuff because now everybody shares their secrets. Like, this is how we do this, you know, and everyone's on TV. Like, this is how I throw my change up. This is how I throw my curtain. It's like, why are you teaching people that? Like, that's that's your money maker. Like, you should keep that stuff to yourself. But now that's, you know, that's how marketing works. And, and you have to carry a briefcase at all times, wear glasses, and then, you know, I always have this thing of like how many guys in baseball actually code for analytics. Everyone's just reading spreadsheets and everyone's just reading, you know, launch angle and all that stuff. No one actually knows how to make those numbers. Uh, but yeah, so I think, again, it works sometimes. It doesn't. Uh, but I, I've, again, going back to that, I think that I'm happy that they didn't get a full-time DH because they have a lot of options, man. And I think Adam Engel, I had, to be honest, I had Adam Engel playing every day right field. So, Oz, I just actually wrote an article uh, today for ONTAP Sportsnet about it's time to move Eloy Jimenez to the DH. And I know the guy um, does not want to move to DH uh, at all, but I think he should platoon there at the very minimum. Uh, he'll platoon. He'll, he'll gain. He'll get extremely fat. Frank Thomas will happen. I, I don't want him because when guys become a full-time DH, their offense drops a lot, and he's young enough that I want him to be on the field and stay focused. But I would love the whole platoon – situation especially with angle there larry's because they're going to get at bats okay and, and eloy i don't think we'll see him in the in the eight or ninth inning playing defense unless he's coming up to bat with the game you know with us not having the lead but i think that you you ease them into that okay you ease greg vaughn uh greg vaughn you ease vaughn, i call him greg vaughn vaughn into first andrew into first base you know seeing what he has abreu you know because he's getting a little bit older because uh, abreu has a big opportunity here man they love him on this team if he keeps producing the way that he has been, he could be the DH for the next, you know, two to three years. Like, not that's why I don't think they signed someone. They might think, okay, we move Abreu to full-time DH, you know, in, in two years, a year. That's why we don't want to sign someone to a long-term contract, which I think was smart. But at the end of the day, I think that I had Angle playing right because um, I was like, why not give him a chance? But back to the point that Buzz made, when people talk about World Series or Buzz, I look at Pantera hasn't played 162 games in the major leagues. I look at Madrigal, Mr. 3,000 hits. He'll be the first player ever to hit 3,000 hit, hitting ninth. I don't think he looked that up. Um, no one's ever done it, hitting ninth. Uh, he's going to be first time full season in the big leagues. You know, um, those are two guys that are going there. Kopech, I know that when White Sox, he made his debut, uh, the moon, there was an eclipse, and the city's lights all went out. Um, everyone remembers where they were at that exact moment. Every White Sox fan. Hey, we were there. 
Oh, exactly. So yep. um, every when he pitches, every you know that's one of those things. But he's never done it in the big leagues. So I, I want to see growth from those guys, uh, and you know, just take it. I'm waiting for my boy Moncada to you know be in the MVP type of caliber. I think that you look at his tools, and this guy could be a 40-40 man, 30-30 at least. Um, so I want everybody to take a step. But yeah, the pressure that they have, and maybe they don't get it. Maybe the guys, you know. The Cubs won with Chris Bryant playing third base rookie year, you know. Uh, so it's not like it can't happen, but I think there's a lot of, uh, you know, what ifs. Uh, even Crochet, you know, he came in. We only saw two weeks. Uh, is he nasty? Absolutely. But again, a 162, the grind. And do I think, do I think the White Sox fans are going to be able to chill and in August say we had this division won by 10 games? It would be great. You know, I think it'd be a lot of less pressure, uh, but I don't, I don't see it happening. Uh, I think it's going to be more of a grind, but it could, this team can come out and have the best year ever because of the talent that they have. They're really, really, they're, they're talented at the fact that you can make mistakes. Okay. Like Pantera, he can break, break bat on a ball and still catch it. You know, uh, Eloy can be behind on a pitch and still go deep in the shoebox That is the cell now. So a lot of things. So I think that goes back to the pitching. Um, but again, I think that the pressure is on the big boys, on the on the Tim Andersons and and the big I, I, people. Leave leave Vaughn alone, okay? Don't when he comes in and has a great month. Don't say we're going to build a statue for him. Don't make comments, Gordon Beckham. We won't trade him for you know. Don't make him Nick. Pa Where's Palka, by the way? Have you guys heard about him? My boy Palka. Yeah, Palco was he went overseas for yeah, a little he was bit. Overseas. He went overseas. I remember, I remember, I remember when he was going to be the greatest next White Sox player, and everybody was like, Palka, you know, greatest Sox player to ever live. Palcomania was going to run wild on you, bro. We just need, we just need guys to come in. You know, I know you guys are wrestling fans. You got to do it for, you know, you got to do it for a whole tour. You can't come in, have one match, and think that you're the greatest wrestler of all time. You got to be able to do it day in and day out. And us as White Sox fans, we love putting labels. Like if I was Chuck Garfine, okay, and I hope that he's listening to this, and Nick Madrigal made a comment about three thousand hits, I would have said, "Are you are you serious? Like you're really saying that? Like you're that confident?" And I would have gone down that road, okay, because I I love that he's that confident, but like now I have him on a Nick Madrigal watch, okay, it's two thousand nine hundred and six like ninety five hits. He needs like a, a, a crab load of hits, okay, so. Those are the types of pressure that they're putting on themselves because other teams read newspapers. Okay. They read Twitter. So it's like, we're doing the Super Bowl shuffle, which I still think is the craziest thing a team's ever done and actually won. We're, we're talking too much. We're, you know, it's like we're selling the match and we actually have to fight in the ring and, and actually do it and, and do it between the lines. So that's my biggest worry. Can we go from like talking smack to backing it up? Before we ask this next question, here is a word from our sponsor, Manscaped. COVID spring break is right around the corner, and you know what that means. Spring break is in your pants. Manscaped is here to ensure that the party in your pants never stops. Even Veronica Corningstone wouldn't say no to the pants party. For everyone preparing for a pants party this spring, I have an exclusive 20% off discount. Use the code ONTAP at manscaped.com. The Perfect Package 3.0 kit comes with the Essential Lawnmower 3.0 waterproof cordless body trimmer and a ton of other liquid for formulations to round out your grooming routine. Anything you need, whether that's ball deodorant, ball toner after you shave your boys, anything you need manscaping-wise, 
go to manscaped.com. And again, don't forget to use promo code on tap. Ozzy, you talk about other teams reading Twitter. That's just a question I have for you. Does the front office and do these players read what goes on in White Sox Twitter? Everyone except Kenny and Jerry. I don't think they do. I don't think Kenny even, I don't even know if he has a smartphone, but I don't think he does. If he does, uh, he probably uses a different thing. You know, I don't think that's a style. I don't think Jerry even knows what Twitter is. Uh, like in a sense of like, yeah, I'll tell you this much. If Jerry had Twitter, he he hates this group. No, no, I, and I get it. You know, and I see the pictures, you know, with the the no and again, I, I get it. Again, it's it's you know, I have a different perspective from it. And uh I wish that, you know, Jerry would have said, Ozzy, we're gonna sign you for five more years, and he could have, you know, finished his career and been here for the Sox forever. But um, I think Rick Hahn probably does. I think that he he's obviously might have an alias uh, that he follows people with. I definitely think he's a Twitter guy. That's my – but players do absolutely. Um, not only players, players' wives and girlfriends, you know, like if that's – to me, that's nuts, okay, because we've, – We've seen that in action before. There was you – know, you know, it was Hector Santiago's know. wife, I believe. Yeah, and then oh, don't do it too. But you know why, you know why that, that is harsh and I'm a – it happens to me, okay, and I still have to deal with it. Uh, and if I had to go give myself an advice, because back then I didn't get paid, I didn't even tweet that much back then. But when when a reporter writes an article, okay, and he calls you out, you have you see the reporter at the stadium, okay. You can have words. You, you can you cannot interview with him anymore. You can see him every day. So for a reporter to like come after a player, you get to see them or a manager. What happens with Twitter is we we write on reaction, okay? Everyone reacts real quick. Like, ah, you, you know, we all have fun with it. If you're a player, man, and you sit there and you read that stuff and you're not tough mentally, I'm going to destroy you. It's unhealthy. I'm, saying, I'm saying even from Ozzy's standpoint, even for me, man, like I, I can take a lot of stuff, but like if they talk about like three things, like I'm losing it. Like I said it the other day for Ozzy, I said, we're not talking about this. <laughs> We're not talking about this on on social media about Speedy Gonzalez getting canceled, you know, because I was like, this is going to get bad and we're going to end up like on ESPN over making funny jokes of him getting canceled. But it really gets to you. okay? it really gets to you that you don't know, you know, like I'll get sometimes into arguments on Twitter over stuff. And I'm like, this person who writes like who's like they're not even like you guys, like you guys are blogging and you guys are like following the team. Like there's some like, you know, like the comment he just made about. Jim Tomey and Mark Hatze. I know that comment comes with a lot of thought, okay? Even though you guys are not in the front office, you guys are not making that money, there's a lot of thought in what you guys are saying. Like, you guys are in it, like, for real. Like, that's when I make comments, like, I feel like I have have validation because I watch enough and I do. Some of the people write stuff and I'm like, do these people even watch the games? Like, so, and I'm there arguing with them. So if that's affecting me and my dad's no longer the manager, okay, we don't get a paycheck from them. Okay. I don't have anybody on the team that I'm like, it's my relative. And I'm still, and I'm that defensive. I'm like, man, if I'm a player and I read this stuff, like I literally have about 35 pictures that I took during the Tony, the, the, the Tony hiring of everyone from the media in Chicago talking smack and fans that I cannot wait till when that person tweets how great Tony is, I will be petty and I will share of this tweet did not age well. Okay, like I already forever. Well, I already, I already, I already did it when like the whole Tim Anderson team came out and said Tony's so great. You know, we bonded. It was amazing. 
you know, the best thing that, you know, they, it was just awesome. And people were like, oh my God. Cause they thought, you know, he was going to come in and say, I'm not, you know, I'm doing whatever. Like it is what it is. So it, I let, it, it affects me. Okay. I can only imagine if I was a player, man, I, I would literally not have it. I would be like, don't tell me what's going on because it's, it's worse than the media. It's worse than the paper. It's, it's real reaction, real time. And I think that it's not healthy. And especially for this team, because I know, I know players want to be, and this is my issue with Moncada and that's my boy. We've talked about it and Tim's the same way, but I don't have that relationship with Tim of everyone thinks it's cool when you post stuff about your personal life and how much fun you're having when you're doing really well. Okay. It's like when you're a party animal and you're winning, it's like, Oh my God, this guy's the best. But when you suck, everyone's like, this guy's an alcoholic and he has a drinking problem. When you're fat, you're like, Oh, he's just big bone. But when you're struggling, this fat bastard can't get around the thing. You know what I mean? Like, Everything and I saw it. And I lived it personally. When Ozzy was winning, everybody thought it was funny, like his bad English. You know, oh, like oh, look how funny Ozzy is. They created that monster. The moment that we lost, everybody's like, oh, this, you know, this beaner, get him out of here. So you create those monsters that you let them in into your world. And now, especially with like Instagram and that, like, and especially that's going to be worse this year with gambling parlays. You know, like. And gambling, like I think, like if, if people are losing real money when you're not like, exactly. Money. So I mean, like before it was just degenerate, like real degenerate. Now it's like every common person to put a bet on. But like, if if you're like go over, if you're over thirty six and you post your video of like you're dancing or doing something, fans are gonna be like, what is this? Does he really care? So I feel like that's the part that needs to be, because you might care a lot. Okay, you might be posting stuff and care a lot, but there might be other guys that don't care that don't post ever. But that's what the fans see. So that's the part that's a little dangerous. Right now, people are like, I'll give you an example. I don't know Trevor Bauer. I think he's really funny. I don't think he deserves how much money he got. I think it's awesome that they paid it to him. But there's a part of me, okay, that would love to see him tanking just because I want to see the Twitter fiasco. Like, I've been blocked from Marco Stroman has blocked me from Twitter, okay, because he reads everything that's he, he reads every, he, Marcus Stroman reads I mean, so literally he, everything. He out on, like, I thought that you know, at 18 million, he was a little bit overpaid. I'm covering the thing. He didn't like it. But like, if you're, I'm not even in New York, like, and you're blocking me, like you had that much time and I didn't even get that crazy. So I think social media is awesome because it can brand you and every player wants to do it. But I think it can mentally, mentally definitely destroy you because man, I think people get really cruel and, you know, they can change wins very easy. I saw it happen to Rick Renteria. He went from the greatest manager ever to being worse than Terry Bevington in the eyes of the fans. So I got one, I got one follow-up to that, Ozzy. How's your dad's relationship with Jose Canseco going right now? Jose, you know what? <laughs> so people thought that he was like being serious. So Ozzy and Jose are really cool. Okay. And Jose's a very special guy. And Ozzy was on on Barstool talking about Jose's very smart. And they're like, what are you talking about? And he's like, watch. We bought the fight, okay? Ozzy has a pride thing. So, like, if people paid money, just go in there and take your beating, okay? But what he did really got Ozzy mad of, like, him basically falling and then saying that he was hurt. It really affected him personally. Like, like this guy did something that was, like, in his moral code wrong. And then the other day, he tweeted about Mark McGuire and corking his bat before a game. 
okay, which is pretty much impossible to cork a bat the day before the game if you're going to prepare a bat the right way. So unless you had like a machine, it's just, it's so unrealistic. I think he feels bad. And he originally was like funny. Now Ozzy's like really legitimately upset, the stuff that he posts. But originally it was like a fun thing. Like he was like, I'll, you know, Jose, you're easy to beat. Because Ozzy had that relationship with Jose when they were players. You know, Ozzy knows that Jose used to get drilled and he never charged. Jose's charged zero times in the big leagues. Okay. So this tough guy thing, he knows that it's like a, you know, if it was Kyle Farnsworth, you're like, I'm not talking about Kyle that way. Like he will knock me out when he sees me. There's just guys that, you know, like are the real deal tough guys. And he's like, Jose, you're not that guy. So he was having fun with him. But now I think that he's like, he's getting a little bit weirded out, but people loved it. I, he got trending between that and the Nick Swisher comment. I'm like, why is this even a thing? Like, this is so, this is so bizarre. Um, you got national media talking, Ozzy hates Nick Swisher. You know, it's like a story. I'm like, uh, I just didn't think he didn't like how he played. I don't think he had a personal problem with him at all. I just think that he was upset that Nick was upset that he wasn't playing. But yeah, Canseco, ex-former White Sox. That's he, yes, he falls he under uh, one of the greatest White Sox to get uh, signed, the superstars, the come to Chicago once you're, you know, over the hill list. Yep. Buzz, what you got? Uh, yeah, you know, just because we were talking about players and whatnot and DHing and whatnot. Um, awesome story today put out by The Athletic about uh, Yasiel Puig. you have any opinion on Puig? I have oh, to I'm ask. talking about him. We I do have, it in baseball all the time. I know, I, but I have, to, I have to ask. Every Okay, if I say this joke, people are going to be like, oh, my God, you're so bad. I'll give it to you guys personally of what I think this team's slogan should be. I'll tweet it to you guys directly. Okay. And why I thought you would be the perfect manager for it because of the slogan. It'd be funny in Chicago, not in Florida. But we have an obsession with with Cuban players, okay? Like I could be, they could sign a five year. There could be a, a guy can write an article and say there's a six year old kid in Cuba, and he has a good arm. And White Sox fans are like, sign him, sign him now, because they've had success with Cuban players. Okay, that's the funniest part thing. So this Chasio Puy thing he would not be a good fit on the team. Only reason I bring it up is because you busted my balls on Twitter about it. It's horrible. Ozzy, I don't know if you've ever listened to this before, but he, was, he brings this up every day, every day, every <laughs> single day. Was, I'm like, why are we talking about you? And LaVita, we have him doing like drills. This guy's going to go play in Mexico, okay, or somewhere in overseas. Like he, he overpriced himself, okay, but even when he played, okay, he wasn't worth what – this is when analytics gets funny because people hate it until they expose you. Okay. He was a fun guy to watch playing. He was electric. You know, like you look at him, so much tools, but he couldn't put it together. He literally couldn't put it together. You know, a couple good fights, but he was, he needed to go to a team and be a role player. He wasn't going to be a guy that took it to the next level and he did it. So it's a very dangerous thing because if you got a guy that can come in the clubhouse and become that, you know, role player, a Carlos Beltran, a guy that can, a Jim Tomey, for example, a guy that you know in the clubhouse is going to help you guys, you know, help your, your younger guys and get to that next level. You say absolutely. But when you have a guy like Pui who's been controversial, you know, who's had issues, you're like, do I really want to get this headache? And I got to pay him all this money. Like, why do you think you deserve this money? Like Kyle Schwarberg and Eddie Rosario were let out of their contracts. Okay. Their team said, we don't want you in arbitration. Go test free agency because they thought they were overvalued. And these guys dropped. 35, 40 home runs. Okay, so for the Pui thing, I think that it's a marketing thing. 
is sensationalism. We love it because he's exciting and fun. That's why I thought the Tatis signing was like, wow, okay, that's great. That could be the greatest signing of all times, or it could probably end up being one of the worst signings of all times. Like, yeah, it's a big risk. The happiest day of his life was the day that he got traded to the San Diego Padres because he would have never signed that contract here. They would have done a team-friendly deal, and Rick Hahn would have taken him, and you know he wouldn't have made that much money because we're really good at that. You know, we get really good deals, and it is what it is. That's one of our positives. So marketing is all that. Do I think Trevor Bauer? Um, Trevor Bauer is basically Jose Quintana stat-wise. You know, when you look at it, does he deserve that money? I don't know. Somebody gave it to him. But so when you look at values, marketing now has a huge thing, and that's Pui. You know, MLB the show, hands up in the air, licking his bat, the greatest, you know, the great next Mike Trout. Uh, but he wasn't able to deliver and now we have in that, in that same list, I saw his name that they were going to go see his tryout on, on Suspedes. I'm like, Suspedes didn't want to play when he was good. Now he wants to play now that he's like over the hill. No, thank you. Like it's you, you're, this team is not in any position to be doing crazy things like little experiments. If they want to come play for free, invite them to spring training for free. You know, just come in, give them the uniform, you know, pay for their meals. But I wouldn't, I wouldn't sign him. I know White Sox fans are upset. And I know Kenny likes him, too. That's a Kenny player. Ooh, that's a Kenny player. Kenny wanted him a while back. Oh, he wanted I, know, him. I know, Steve, you, you probably remember that. Kenny, and I can say this, Kenny loves drafting and signing himself. I had to throw it out there, man. Middle, middle, linebacker, middle linebacker looking. If any conversation ever starts, that's why the Andrew Vaughn's good. If any conversation starts of, oh, great athlete jumps out of the field it's like is this basketball are we running the great athlete what is he gonna do hurdle no 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 when they say this kid can hit then you say okay that's a prospect that's how i look at it who is that guy that you're like oh my god like because his body you know so hopefully you see that same type of body uh i've seen it with three guys i scouted jorge soler in the minor leagues when I was scouting and I was in awe of this guy. I said, oh my God, this guy's going to be the next Hank Aaron. And it took him some time to get good in the big leagues. I see that same type of thing with Pantera. I can see why scouts, you know, drool over him. Cause he's just looks like what a baseball player should look like. Is he going to be Juan Soto? We'll see. You could be Jasio Pui or you can be Juan Soto. what you got there, Steve? No, I was just going to say uh, on the Puig front, you know, my whole thing is this will be his second consecutive season that no team has signed him. There's a reason for that. Stop it. So why do you like Puig? So what does Puig do good? I think that he's got a pretty decent bat. I think that he's so not a you say decent bat. Is that average home runs? I, I, would, I would say average. I think he's got an average bat, and I think he's decent on the base, base pass. I, I do. He's you like little, him because he's, he's exciting. Let's that's let's not, get that. that's let's not get... just the only reason. I like him over. I like Adam Eaton. And then, like we talked about earlier, I was scared about Andrew Vaughn coming into the season. So I was just like bringing a guy that you know has a little bit of experience and might have humbled himself. So you after know what? a year spent out of the league. He's a guy that worries me. You know what? It's not fun if there's no fear. I'm not saying that. I'm just <laughs> saying that. So there's guys that walk into clubhouses. And they let they let time say that they're the leader. You know, they they 
they let the younger players, the Tim Andersons, that like give them their place. You know, when Jim Tomey came to the White Sox, I've never seen everyone from PK to the coaches to my dad be like, Jimmy, you're the man. You know, automatically they put him in that pedestal because of respect. Okay. Um, Jimmy never asked for it. I can see Adam being like the guy that says, I'm going to call a team meeting on the first day because I've had, you know, so many years in the big leagues. And guys are like, who are you? You know what I mean? That's the type of struggle. That's when people are talking about, that's what they should worry about. Like with Tony taking the fun away of like him being like, Hey, you know, Hey, Timmy, let me give you some advice. And Tim being like, dude, get the F away from me. Like that part is more dangerous than a manager. Cause a manager obviously comes with credentials and he'll look up his card. So that's my little worried about Adam Eaton of like, himself like self-proclaimed captain of the team or you know he is that guy of like i'm the captain we say what we, i we say what i say you know and i know tony loves captains though there's gonna be a captain for bullpen captain for the bench captain for you know uh spring like spring trainings probably has a captain captain for batting practice everyone's gonna be a captain uh, of that team so he loves captains that's like a thing that he he's always had and i always poke fun of it but that's I'm a little worried about that. I hope that Adam he didn't run first game of spring training. I'm counting it. He hit it, pop up, ball drop. Oh my god! So he, he he hasn't run one time. We'll see how many times he does it. But I was a little worried. Um, and I think obviously if we win, it doesn't matter. But eight million dollars was you know a little early for that. Eight mil. Mazar's gonna hit forty this year, by the way. Oh, stop it! Oh Jesus Christ! I I. I... <laughs> I, I, I got nothing. I got nothing else. Mazar's going to go somewhere. I, I thought, you know what? I thought that he was the guy. Um, it's going to be like Avi. He's going to go somewhere else and do really good watch. Yeah, well, you know. We've had, issues with, right field. We've had, we've had, we've had <laughs> issues with right field. We haven't had a legit right fielder since Jermaine. You know, Rios kind of was there for a little bit, uh, but a solid guy. But I think Adam Eaton, platooning him, I think that he gives you – I like Adam – he gives you a different look hitting, you know, between him, Madrigal, and Timmy. Because uh, a lot of guys, you know, power guys, like I look at the Yankees, for example, I think one of their biggest weaknesses is that they all, they're all the same batter. You know, they all swing the same. I was like, if they get a pitcher finds a, finds a hole, they're done. You know, I like, I like when guys can do different things with a bat. That's why I think Adam Eaton gives you a different look. I, I for example, angle. I love it because now he can, can come in, play defense. Uh, he can come in and run for a couple guys. Got a couple guys that, you know, they need pinch runners. And uh, second, when he run, I, I you know what's going to be huge this tie this ball this tie ball game thing. Then the White Sox are going to do really well on that. I can't wait till twenty bunts the first time and people freak out. Well, people will freak out, Steve. Well, okay, but, okay, but I'm saying though, why not bunt if you have a guy that's making fifty four million dollars, whatever, from Australia, the guy from down under. I'll I'll go to I'll go to Steve on that one because uh, I think he's he's, 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 the, he's the king of uh, never. Again, and I'm saying bunt, and I'm saying bunt with the guys that you usually should bunt with. I'm not saying bunt with Eloy, like Eloy Moncada maybe depends, but I'm talking about bunny. Like if Madrid goes up, you're bunny. Okay, so here's my take on on bonding Tony since you since you threw this out to me. I always look at it from the Earl Weaver quote, you know, the, the Hall of Fame manager for the Baltimore Orioles. If you play for one run, that's all you're going to get. 
So, look, if you're in a situation, if you're in the bottom of the eighth inning or, or, the, or the bottom of the ninth inning, bottom of the tenth inning, and, and that one run is going to win you the game and you got a guy at second base with nobody out and, and Madrigal or somebody coming up, I'm okay with a, with a bunt there in that spot. But if it's the second, third inning and you're playing against the Yankees, hit swing the fucking bat. No, I agree. We're on the same – That's and that's where – Talking baseball with you guys is awesome because people think that when you love bunting, you love bunting all the time. My brother just my brother's uh, was suspended from managing, and his his manager that took over him bunted in the third inning, and I, I thought I was gonna like have a stroke, <laughs> rally killer. I'm like, no wonder this idiot's not the manager. Okay, that doesn't make any sense uh, unless you have like Pedro Martinez on the mound and you're facing like the worst team ever, and you're like one run's gonna win it. Which again, I'd be like, that's kind of iffy. But I I love with that new rule runner on second, moving him because of the White Sox bullpen. Okay. I think the White Sox bullpen is that lights out. And it's so lights out that I only want to see them pitching with the lead to, to protect the lead. Okay. Anytime the White Sox don't have the lead in the seventh inning, I don't want to see crochet. I don't want to see the, the Australian. I want to see they should find like, okay, Jimmy Cordero. You made the team. This is your inning. And if we win, we win. If we lose, we lose. Because I think that when they have the lead, they can really protect it. Like, if the White Sox yep. have the lead after the fifth, sixth inning, they can really be like, let's shut this down. Especially now with Kopech in the bullpen. Because he can it, give you It two, shortens the game. It absolutely saying, he, shortens the game. He can give you two to three innings. Um, I like Kopech in the bullpen. Because every time I look at Ronaldo Lopez, I want to fall asleep and read a book. I think he's more of like a starter type thing. I think Kopech will like uh, gravitate to the adrenaline, just come in, boom, boom, do his job, you know, pitch every three days. Um, and then crochet. I don't even know that guy even knows that he's on earth. Weirdo, weird pants, just throwing nasty, just nasty, just filthy stuff. Um, it reminds you're, me of my you're own. You're leaving out my, my guy, Aaron Bummer. So, no, that's the other guy, Aaron Bummer. So, like, no, I'm saying no, Aaron Bummer. So, trust me, if I that this is why people were like, why are you mad they signed the Australian? Because he got he got a lot of money for four years, which I was surprised he got that much because I saw the young arms and I said, man, any of those guys could be the closer. The game has changed though, that all those guys could get paid. I'll be honest with you. Sometimes the run, like from a winning a game standpoint, sometimes the game's more important six, seven, eight than the ninth inning. Okay, because you got that big lefty coming up, you know, you got runner on second. So I think that having those guys like good arms in that middle, you know, bullpen middle road is more important than if they are going to pitch the ninth inning. Because what happens in traditional baseball, you get bummer or crochet as a closer. We might not even get to them. You know what I mean? Like Mariano Rivera. Yeah, bless his heart. He used to go in the eighth inning. Then they had wetland. Then later in his career, he became a closer, and obviously their bullpen was good enough. But I think now you look at the game and you lose a lot more games. In this, if you look at mathematically, you lose a lot more games six, seven, eighth than you do in the ninth. Ninth, you're going to lose sometimes. You're going to walked off. It is what it is. But six, seven, eight, you lose a lot of games. And that's where I think having the versatility that the Sox have within the bullpen with guys like Kopech, like Bummer, like Crochet. Uh, Evan, Evan Marshall, who's, who's another guy who's not, yeah. not a fireballer, brings, brings a totally different element uh, out of the bullpen with his 
with his heavy sinker and, and the pitch mix that he utilizes versus the high octane stuff that you're seeing from the other guys. So there's so many ways that Tony's going to be able to kind of mix and match with this group. And I, I agree with your sentiment 100%. I think yeah. this bullpen, and I've said this, is going to be the best bullpen in the American League. And I think they are just going to slay people. Well, he's and Tony built the seventh inning, shut it down. He's always had that theory. You know, bullpens, you can always rebuild, and I liked it. You know, when you see a guy, when I see Lynn, for example, I'm like, he's going to be good for six or seven every day. You know, he eats innings, and he's a good pitcher. I want the same thing from Keiko. That could be – if that could be C's at one point, you can only ask five from C's because, again, he's built differently. And then you can shorten the game out or, or take him out even earlier. But what I like about, you know, the White Sox bullpen is – with the new strategy of the facing three batters, he can't have this, like, I'm only good against lefty mentality, okay? Or I'm only good against righty mentality. You have to have guys like Kopech who've had some experience opening and can really get both guys out. Crochet, same thing, because it's really hard to just go to your specialist because of this three-batter rule. So you might start the lefty because, you know, you got Nelson Cruz up, third batter, so you're going to face the first two guys with, you know, so to get to Nelson as a lefty. I think that's where Tony's going to be do a better job. Like Rick would bring the righty in for the first two batters and forget that Nelson was hitting third that inning. It's like, great, you got the first two outs. Buddy, new rules. He's got to face that pus thrower for him as a lefty. So I think that Tony on that end, if I had to give him one thing that he's going to be that I'm not worried at all that I think he's going to be really good at is the bullpen. They got so many pieces. They got – they got a lot of pieces. They got a lot of really good. They did a really good job of building that bullpen. And I even thought they were going to sign Coleman back for cheap and make him like the fourth inning guy. That wouldn't have worked, in my opinion. Just just throwing that out you know, there. Work. This is not racist. People don't cancel me. You cannot have too many Latinos on one team. You can't. Think about it. How what team? The only team that has gone full Latino was the Mets. Their whole team was Latino even the GM, and they fall. You cannot have – you got to have a good mix. That's my belief. Got to have a good mix. Got to have the quiet player, the crazy player. You can't go – that's why everyone's like, oh, yeah, he's Latino, bring him. Like, no. You got to bring the right mix. Can't be like too – you know, it's like if Ozzy was the manager and he said, let's bring all Venezuelans. It doesn't work. It becomes we've click. Talk, we've, talk, we've talked about this on, on, on our show that you can't have a team 26 Tim Andersons. You know, Tim is a very outspoken guy, very much out there in in the public, and and he wears his emotions on his sleeves, and he shows it a lot. You can't have guys like that. You have to have a guy like a Paul Konerko who who is, like you said earlier, very boring, very vanilla, but just gets in the batter's box and just hits and does his job. You have to have that balancing act right there. Well, and you also have to have the balance, like when you're when you're in the when you're in the dugout. Okay, it's very dangerous if you're a top stepper. It's good when you're a top stepper, if you're a top stepper, if you do good or you do bad, okay? And that's, I think, Timmy, the last couple of years, he's having fun 24-7, okay? That's just him. He, similar to Ozzy, for example, when he played, 0 for 4, 4 for 4, still messing around, looking in the stands, you know, same demeanor. That's what I like. That's when you look at players that could do that, that's really good because they don't get too high or too low, okay? That was Ozzy, actually Ozzy's problem with Swisher. When he came on the team, he was the dirty 30, you know, hat, you know, TV, doing commercials. Dirty, dirty cat salon with the painted goatees. Correct. The dirty, you know, and then he went, you know, he struggled and he'd sit on the bench like, oh, you know, like hiding. And it's like, you know, everyone knew that you're 
big game shields, you know, get self-proclaimed big game guy. Mike, the bulldog, Jake Peavy. You give yourself a nickname, that's usually a sign. Okay? That's usually a sign that it's not like, yeah, this is this guy for real. And it happens. You know, sometimes they, I say the fool. Do uh, you know who's fool me? And this is funny. I was obsessed with Darren Erstad. Obsessed. I was like, this guy's like the ultimate gamer. Boy, was I fooled. All, all show. Like a, a real gamer. Like a guy that I was like, this guy's for real. Like it was all show. It was all, you know, Paul Konerko doesn't look like a gamer. But in my opinion, he show up with the same little bag every day. Not much. Not a lot of speed. But you knew what he was going to get. You threw it on the ground. He'd pick it. Consistency. So I like this. Jose Abreu is a perfect example of that. He'll hit into a lot of double plays, but he'll drive the runs in. You know, so that's what I'm, I like to see that about the Sox. Moncada, for example, needs to stay level. Like not let the slumps be that bad um, and not let the get high too high. And I think Tim's been actually the best guy to do that because if you're really emotional, man, you're, you're done. Like a team gets to you mentally, you're done. They get under your skin. For example, I have a team for you. I want to see how the San Diego Padres react when they get into a real fight. Like we get into a real, they're all very emotional. And usually the more emotional the guy, the bigger the crybaby is. You know, so you need a balance. So I, I, I'm not a huge, can't go two top, you know, you can't go just one, you know, one group. Just can't. Right. Does anybody else have any other questions before we let Ozzy go? You know, I feel like we've had such great discussion here. We're going to have to have Ozzy back on because, I mean, we didn't even we didn't even get Whenever to like – you the- want to have me on, let me know. I heard you guys do post games. Trust me, it's going to be awesome. You guys have me on because you guys are realistic and – I keep telling this to fans, you're going to lose 40 games, okay? You probably lose like 10 really bad ones. That You're like, oh, my God, what happened? But if, if there was a year to be optimistic, okay, as a White Sox fan, this is the year. I'm really mad that it's gotten so much marketing and, and you know, we're obsessed with getting on ESPN. Like, who the hell even watches that? The White Sox fans are like, oh, they messed up our name. Like, who even watches ESPN anymore? Like, literally, like, why are you watching ESPN? Like, their content's not good. That that's my only worry is the hype. Okay. That hopefully the players don't buy into it. And if they do have a bad stretch that they can not, they can ignore it. They do come back three and six from the road trip, you know, let it, let it happen. Like we're not going to come here and take the division, you know, 2005, like 2005 wasn't planned that way. Like it wasn't like they got to the first day of the season and said, Hey guys, we're not going to lose. We're not going to lose the division the whole time. It's not going to happen. It, they didn't plan that. It was just something that they got, you know, they just started playing it and, you know, other teams got slow. But I think that's like, even if they get ahead of themselves, can't take it for granted. And if you get behind, you know, in April, don't pack it in and say, you know, it, it's done. And injuries, that's a big one. If someone goes down in an injury, a big name guy, unfortunately, you can't, you can't say, you can't pack it in, man. You got to keep, you got to, you got to do the Yankees. Put in the next man up, and I think that's going to be. Uh, we can talk about next one. They got a great guy in their in their bench coach, Miguel Cairo. They still got Super Joe at third. We'll see how he better do good. If he doesn't do good, he ain't going to be there very long. I love their hitting coach. He's a gamer, real dude. He ain't going to take you know crap from any player, and I think that he's meshed well with them. So I think biggest pressure, training staff getting the players on the field. And then the big boys have to do what they've been claiming to do. And they got to leave the ceases of the world, you know, the crochets, the Kopech, the Madrigals. They're young, man. They just need to let them, even Pantera. Like if Pantera hits 25 home runs, 
I'm taking it. As long as he plays center field the way he does, that's his number one asset because you're out. That guy, he's not Andrew Jones because there's only one Andrew, but he's – I've never seen since, – since Sizemore and Kane, I haven't seen a better center fielder in his first year in the big leagues. Make it look so easy. You broke the one rule. You said Grady Sizemore's name. Steve, you got any final thoughts? Why? Yeah, he was good. Grady Sizemore was a great center fielder. He was legit, a legit – like when you saw him, you're like, man, that guy's like legit at his position. Yeah, at least you didn't say Tory Hunter. All right, at least. <laughs> I never, you know what? I can't say that because when I saw Tory, I saw him. I was too young to see him like a rookie, like to be old enough to see him as a rookie. But I'm saying like, so I, the reason I'm saying this, I was at spring training last year, and I actually went to a White Sox game, paid the ticket because I wanted to see Pantera. I'd never seen him before. Um, and I wanted, and I and I sat. Uh, they were playing the Giants, and I sat in the outfield, and that's when I Mazzara was there. I always loved Mazzara. I thought Mazzara was going to hit 40 home runs. By the way, um, lost a lot of money on that one. Um, and I saw him in the field and I said, he took like three jumps and I was like, oh damn. Like now I know why they say that he's this good because he seen it live. I was like, I get it now. Like he's, he's, he's legit ready for the big leagues, um, to play center field, which is extremely, and we had good ones. We had Brian Anderson was an amazing center fielder as a rookie, but I saw Pantera and I said, defensively wise, he's ready to catch the ball. And, you know, Tony's really good with rookies. Like, Get easing him in. Maybe he won't compete for rookie of the year, but easing him in, taking the pressure off. I think he's a great guy. You know, he benefited my father a lot. So I think he's gonna help he's gonna help Pantera a lot, like how to become a pro in this game and be able to deal with the ups and downs because he's got a big future, man. Um, and you know, not worry about what the media says and don't buy the hype. You know, you can play really good baseball and you'll sign another con- big contract. So it's gonna be fun. I, I hopefully. Steve doesn't have to keep clowning people around. I'm sure he's going to. People are going to go nuts. People are going to say the first sweep, the first Kansas City sweep, they're going to lose it. I look, look I can't let this gimmick stop for, for a little while here. I got to carry it all the way through spring training, you know, and then uh, I'll, I'll make an assessment at uh, once the regular season starts. I'll decide if I need to make it. wrestling. That's what they need. The White Sox and the old, old White Sox grinder guys, they were, I don't know why, big dorks. It's a big wrestling culture. In, in our clubhouse. Well, hey, there's a lot of that on, on Sox Twitter. Trust me. And, you know, oh, I, I know. I lo- no, trust me. I love it. I'm saying from this team, though, like, yeah. if it's video games, what they're going to do, it's video games. If it's drinking alcohol, you know, it's drinking alcohol. If it's whatever it is that you're going to do as a team, you shouldn't have said alcohol. People are like, Tony La Russa. <laughs> Uber and Lyft. If they're listening to this podcast, they yeah, definitely drink alcohol. We've been putting away. If I was Uber, I, I would literally make it, a, you know, I'd do a commercial with him. Like, you know, this is, you learn from your elders. Don't make the mistake. That's, you know, that is what it is. Um, and just players should learn from that. Don't do what your manager did. So, but I think if, that if you're Brooks Boyer right now, you should be calling up Uber and looking for banners yeah, in I the stadium. If I, if I was Tony, I would play it. Like I would, I would make it a point to remind the players of what not to do. Okay. Um, and just take it as a learning experience, man. Like it, people, it's funny because people think that, you know, Tony was like out doing keg stands, you know, doing some rails, you know, driving back from like Tijuana, Mexico. And I was like, dude, he's an old guy. He probably had like three glasses of wine and was over the limit. Like, cause he gets drunk quick. Cause he's old. Like, it's not, you know, it's, it's, it, it's just ironic. It's not like he's, you know, going to drink on the, you know, on the bench. Like, ah, oh, I need my wine. It's funny because Joe Madden, okay, this is why I call Chicago media out. Joe used to do his press conference with wine. 
okay? And he'd tell people, hey, look, I got I got a, a thing of Chianti, you know, super expensive wine. And everybody thought it was so cool because Joe would use big words, even though he never graduated college, I don't think, because he read a couple books. And he'd be on the Phil Jackson, you know, kick. And all the media would buy it, like, oh, my God, he's so amazing. But then, like, Ozzy would show up with a beer, and they're like, oh, Ozzy's having a beer, like. But it's, 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 that, that's where that's where the, the difference is, though. It's because of the hat that the two that the two managers were wearing. If if Joe. Well, Ozzie, no, I agree. You know that Ozzy's biggest blow up. And no one knows why it started, because ESPN obviously edits the, the blow up. OK, and it's the one where he says we're always going to be the second team in this effing city. Mm-hmm. It's because of that, because every day they would ask him about what the other team was doing. And he was like, I'm. Like, I don't want to like I don't want to talk about this. So I completely get it, and that's something that I want the team to take that identity back because we did win it before they did, and I want that rivalry to come back. I hate it when Rick Ventria would say it's just another game. No, it's not. Like you show up to that game this season, like it's the playoffs. Like we hate like when you're like, oh, who's in town? Minnesota, buckle up. Like we get to the stadium, we're gonna whoop them. It's Detroit. We hate them. You know, like if they have to. This team needs to grab that energy of like they need to know who the rivals are. I think it was easy before because everybody hated them. You know, Ozzy was a manager, AJ Brzezinski, like nobody liked them. Like it's a very easy, hateable team. They need to know that teams are trying to beat them and they're not friends. So like the hugging at second base, you know, no. That they're hug after the game. You're here to play ball. You're here to, you know, you're here to be aggressive and play. So that's what I want because that's what winning teams do. And, then, and these guys and these guys on, on, on the broadcast here, they know there's nothing, and I mean nothing during baseball season that I love more than seeing the Sox beat the ever-loving shit out of the Minnesota Twins. That's a bigger rival than the Cubs because the only time I hate the Cubs, okay, and I, when I talk about hate, is when they played against them. Like I've – I have games in my in my in my when someone goes to war and I'm not comparing myself to that. There's a lot of things in baseball that I've had great memories. There's a lot of things that I've had bad memories. Okay, White Sox memories that have hurt feelings like PTSD games. Like if I mention the game to my dad, he's like, "Oh God, don't bring that one up." The Twins have a lot to do with it, you know. Um, you know, Twins, Tigers. I hate the Indians more from the like the early nineties. Yeah, and that's why I've never. I love Jim Tomey, love his family. I that's as a thirty-six-year-old man, I couldn't jump on the Jim Tomey wagon completely, um, because everyone thinks in Chicago that he's a White Sox, and I'm like, he's an Indian. You're speaking my language right now. Yeah. You you've so, made you've so, made so Steve I, happy, and I'm not. T- I'm technically not a White Sox fan right now. I don't. I I I can't be a White Sox fan because I've rooted against them. Okay, I can't do that. A real fan would never do that to their team, um, which is why I'm not a White Sox fan. I'm not any baseball team fan, like a legit fan. But again, they need to understand those rivalries of the intensity of when they're going to the game, the fans and that they need to feed off of that. Because those are the closest thing that they're going to get from a pennant race standpoint. And that makes them, you know, that that gives you like that opening day feeling of, uh Last year, I knew the White Sox had lost the division. Opening day, Twins went deep. First first pitch, they hit a home run. And the Twins bench would not stop screaming in an empty stadium the rest of the game, okay? They were just top-stepping it the whole game. And the White Sox, as soon as they hit that home run, it looked like the plug was plugged out of them, okay? 
and you can't have that. And especially for a young team. So they need to be able to do that because, you know, other teams do it and they need to be able to keep it, keep it, you know, and it's, I know it might be unethical and all the new rules of baseball, but you got to hate your opponent, man. When you're, you're in your plane, you can't go up there and be like, Oh yeah, he hits it. He hits it. It's, you gotta, you gotta battle. And then afterwards you want to be a nice guy, be a nice guy, but you gotta, you gotta grind because, um, that you know, that's just the way that it is. We're gonna see the white sides in a couple little brawls this year, I think. I would love it. Ozzy well, the manager. Anytime I gotta see who's gonna be Tony's little baby. Tony always has a baby. It was McGuire with the it was McGuire, Pujols, Harold Baines. Guys be throwing change-ups anywhere near them. Somebody's in it drilled. I'm sure that's gonna come back, but that's what you need. I know that people are gonna write about like, oh, we don't hit players in the game. That's part of baseball. You gotta throw a little bit inside. You know, you got to dominate that. And those are things that, you know, the veteran guys know how to do. And it's just part of the game. You got to intimidate to win. You Not not a lot of teams win, like, you know, just being the luck, happy-go-lucky. It's nice in the real world. Got to be a nice human being. For those four hours that you're playing a baseball game, you can turn it off and not be such a nice human being. Ozzy, well, we, cool we love it here. We love cool it here. Brawls are cool and tough. We like we like intimidating well, the opponent. Baseball brawls are baseball brawls are like the worst fights of all times. It's a big, it's a big fest. Nothing beats a hockey fight, in my opinion. But you Ozzy, thank you, thank you so much for coming on. We're we are going to have to wrap it, man. We are going to have to wrap it. We're we're in a little bit, two hours here. This is um, crazy. No wonder my wife's texting me. I'm out. <laughs> yeah, dude. Thank you so much for coming on. I think we've all had a great time. Uh, if if we had. 10 hours to talk baseball with you. I think every I don't think I could person. do that long. I don't think I could do that long, but anytime you guys want me on, I'll be I'll be tweeting at you guys. You guys will see. I just laugh. I'm I sure everybody want... already knows where to find you, Ozzy, but can you OB tell everybody about Lavita baseball? Yeah, OP and Junior, Lavita Baseball. It's not a Spanish show, it's just a name. We wanted to keep it swanky. Um, it's about baseball in general. We actually highlight a lot of Latino players, and when we do interviews with Latino players, we put the English subtitles. So they can talk in their own language, but it's just baseball, baseball in general, uh, trying to tell more about their stories than X's and O's, but it's, uh, it's, it's more of a feel good talk. And we have the being Guillen show on Fridays and the, and the podcast. And it's just us uh, arguing with Ozzy senior and making fun <laughs> of him most of the time. Really. Perfect. Oh, well, everybody be sure you check out what Ozzy just told you to check out. Levita Baseball, Bian Guillen. Follow him on Twitter at Ogian Jr. Be sure to go on tapsportsnet.com for all your Chicago sports literature and podcasting needs. Following us on Twitter at Socks on Tap at on Tap Sportsnet. Five star rating and review anywhere you can listen to podcasts. And you know how we lead it out, boys. White Sox forever. Forever. Bye. See you guys. Yeah, I-